Well, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for uh, being a part of episode number three of Half Ashed. We uh, have a very special episode this evening. If you can, if you can actually have a special episode when you're only three into it, but uh, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that kind of be good afternoon, evening, morning, or whenever you may be time shifting this particular publication? And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to half of that lovely uh, surprise for tonight's show. That voice you hear is Bob McDuffie, the former uh, co-host of Dog Watch Cigar Radio, the the muse for oh so many of us that dabble in the fine arts of cigar speak now. Uh, the other half of that lovely podcast is uh, also on the line with us, Dale Roush from Loveland, Colorado. I am here. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good to see you. Well, I uh, I cannot uh, finish up these introductions without introducing the brains behind this whole operation. My good friend and uh, the man who runs this whole pro- progr- program, excuse me, Kip Fisher. Good evening. After afternoon, I guess. Again, I'm not so aware of all the time shift- shifting implications <laughs> from from a podcast. But well, if Kip sounds like he's perhaps uh, slightly not at his best today, you've guessed correctly. He, I believe, uh, I believe he's propped up like like he's in weekend at Bernie's or something over there. He's got a cold that's practically destroying him. It sounds like. But I am still having this cigar based on principle alone. Well, I like a principled man. That's good. <laughs> well, guys, we're uh, we're gonna have a pretty darn good time tonight. I can already tell just based on the pre-recorded stuff that we're gonna go down about seventy-five rat holes this evening, and we might not be on our way to our first three-hour show. But you never know. It uh, whatever we do, whatever we talk about, it's gonna be a good time, and we hope that you enjoy it with us. And can I only have fifteen minutes available? <laughs> well, it looks like Bob's not going to make it through intros. It looks like the 20 meter band is heating up, so I might have to switch <laughs> over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we uh, we got a great show planned tonight, as always, um, or as I think, at least always. Um, Bob and Dale are here. We're going to pepper them with some questions that uh, are not in the show notes, and then later on, getting to the first episode of. Of, or excuse me, the, the first appearance of our uh, regular schedule of the five questions we're going to ask um, industry professionals. We're going to have a good time getting their answers out of that. And um, that's that's not even talking about the most interesting part of tonight's show. Kip, you, uh, you want to talk a little bit about what the rest of us are enjoying and you're just smoking on through there? <laughs> Well, I'm getting maybe 25% of the, the, the flavor out of it, but uh, it's still enjoyable for me anyway. Um, it's the the five anniversary, not the fifth anniversary, the five anniversary uh, cigar from Cuenca. Uh, they, uh, the Cuenca family, they own a cigar shop in uh, Hollywood, Florida, and they're uh, friends with A.J. Fernandez, who makes a line of house cigars for them, and he uh, has developed this five anniversary blend for them as well and um, one of the things that I, I noted in a review I did of this a few weeks ago that was kind of a, a stroke of genius that I can't believe other people haven't done a million times before they uh, they're really involved with their customers and and they consulted with some of their regulars and, and let them be the tasters for this blend and really built the blend around what their customers wanted, the people that are in and out of their store every day. And I thought that was just ingenious. <laughs> what what better way to build a, 
a cigar blend than to build it for the people who buy your cigars. It really now, how is. How does Cuenca relate to the Dr. Cuenca of Hoya de Nicaragua fame? I don't know that there's any relation. I mean, I, I'm not familiar with either the family or with Dr. Cuenca enough to know that. But, uh, outside of sharing a last name, I don't know. Yeah, I guess, you know, for all of us who uh, live in America, I, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just as simple as uh, Cuenca being similar to Smith in uh, in other parts of the world. It just might be a relatively common name. I don't know. Well, what else can you make up about it? <laughs> well, we had all kinds of back and forth on how we're supposed to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. hopefully we got that right. I don't know. I, I can tell you guys, this is the first one of these I've smoked. And uh, starting off, I'm impressed so far. It's got a lot of depth of flavor. I like there's some spice jumps right out at the front. Uh, and I have not on purpose, I have not read your review yet, uh, Kip, on this, so... I'm going to do this as blind as I can other than just knowing the name of the cigar. Cool. I can honestly say right now this is probably the best cigar I've had all week. Is it the first cigar? Oh, it's the first cigar he's had all week. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I've been smoking some real cheap crap all week, I'll tell yeah. you what. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, my uh, smoking, I guess, volume or quantity has... Uh, Gone down quite a bit in the last couple months, mostly due to, you know, the doctor says I shouldn't do too many. He'll let me, you know. We've, we've had that discussion before, but I've been smoking about one a day, and I find there's a couple, and maybe we'll get into this later, depends on what else is in the show notes I haven't read yet. Uh, but, <laughs> Thanks for preparing. <laughs> yeah. But there's a, a couple just lines. This is like the old days. Right. <laughs> there's a couple of lines of cigars that I didn't used to care for much at all, and now that I'm smoking fewer cigars, I'm finding some in those lines that I like. But I didn't used to. So, oh, no. Are you I, sure that's not more caused by your sudden life reaffirming interest in progressing through your life and your eyes being opened and and just taking life day by day and trying to make the most that you possibly can out of, <laughs> because you never know which day might be your last. Well, Kip, that's do we have a mute button story. for Bob? <laughs> that's a true story, but I really haven't had a uh, change of perspective like everybody expects me to, so I can't really say that's the reason. See, now that's weird. I would have thought you would. I mean, I, I, I have I've changed perspective over and over again. It doesn't mean it lasts very long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you change perspective on a day that ends in why. I do. I do. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying they all that. Ended why? They, you fooled me. They all ended why? Hi, yeah, Welcome uh, to the madhouse, everyone. Indeed. Well, so, well, you want to talk about uh, some news, or what do you guys want to do here? Well, I, uh, I think that <laughs> I, think I, did a, I think I did spend a few hours on the show notes with Kip. Maybe we want to consider following those. I don't know what you think, though, Bob. I got, I got a real interesting Modern Marvels coming on History Channel. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I sat here the other day working. This is my new office, and I'll, I might see if I can show you a little bit with the camera here because dead ahead of me is, of course, my beautiful 27-inch iMac. Off to the left is my Windows machine that runs my software-defined radio. My MacBook Pro is next to that. And I just got new art uh, articulated arms for those two items so I can move them around. But on my right is my Rabbit Air air cleaner. 
And immediately above that is a 27-inch television with full cable connection. And so during my workday, I can sit here and I can airplay all my videos and everything because I have an Apple TV as well. So I can airplay videos and podcasts, everything to the TV. Yet Friday I sat here with the History Channel on for like three hours. And I learned everything there is to know about picking vegetables, making beer, <laughs> and making scotch and whiskey. <laughs> it was three hours of nonstop entertainment, intelligent training. If you had a urinal, you would never have to leave. Yeah, you know, I'm working towards that because the bathroom is right next door. You've seen the house. The yeah, yeah. It's Just right through this closet. Just install a toilet in place of your office chair. They are in a fridge right beside you, and you're good to go. Mm -hmm. That's right. A relief tube like in the getting fighter jets. That's I all like you need. I like my new light I made. Can you tell what that is back there? No. I just see a bright light. Yeah. Okay. It's an maybe, maybe my heart's going out. Yeah, don't go towards it. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I was just kidding around when I said in 15 minutes we might not even be through introductions, but it's looking like that's accurate. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll turn the show back over to you guys. No, I, now I'm intrigued. What's your uh, marvelous light that's calling Dale? It, it's an explosion-proof light hmm. fixture. And, and why do you need that? Is there anything else that you can help those of us who are listening to this radio show when describing well, an explosion-proof light? It has a metal base and a glass on top with a cage. And the bulb goes inside the glass, so it can't it can't cause an explosion. It's sealed from the outside. Hmm. So they can use these in like granaries, yeah. which you know about because you live yeah. up in the oh, Midwest. Yeah. Absolutely, Dale knows about. You, you know that grain it? dust explodes, right? Yep. Kind of like coal dust, Kip. Uh, kip. Yeah, we use them in uh, finishing rooms. Uh, our company I work for has a couple of uh, yeah. finishing off. Paint rooms usually use them. Paint my my them. first time in Honduras, I uh, I walked into the box making factory, the box plant of the factory <laughs> where I was, with a lit cigar, and I had more dirty looks and nasty things as they were planing all their all their uh, cedar that they were making for or that they were prepping for all their boxes, and I didn't even dawn on me all the sawdust in the air. It was not a smart thing for me to have done. You can cause a massive explosion. Yeah, yeah. I used to work at a factory where that happened, actually. Got into the dust collection system and just took out a large portion of the back of the building. Yeah. Hmm. So well, Bob's prepared. His I, office is not going to blow up. I was just going to say, we now have uh, a serious contender to... Uh, to take over your crown of who's doing the most preparation for when uh, the end of the world occurs. Bob will be the only one with a working light. I will, but, you know, I'll have to borrow some ammunition from Dale, I'm afraid. And some electricity from someone. I, I only have about 10,000 rounds, and he's like 10 or 20 times farther along than me. We'll barter. <laughs> yeah, we'll trade food for whatever's required. And that post office will still be working well for I both of I figured out that he has enough ammunition to shoot a full clip every day for the remainder of his miserable life in oh, this Oh, Bob, I'm world. so disappointed. <laughs> he used the word clip. Armageddon-laced world. He used He'll the only word be able clip. To, yeah, a, at least a full clip every day. Isn't it magazine if it's, it's magazine. Closed? None of my well, guns use I'm clips. Only Oh, okay. My, None of your guns use clips. Pardon my vernacular. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, we, we've got a big, uh, a big war going on in the country about this right now, and if we don't, well, use that's a, term, it's yeah. a full magazine in every gun you own. 
Yeah. Which they, they're like rabbits. They keep multiplying. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wouldn't have to pay for them then. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I digress. <laughs> no, that's all right. You're giving me an opportunity to enjoy this cigar. So there it we is, go. It is an excellent cigar. I really am enjoying this cigar. Well, before we get too much into the description of it, uh, or uh, any of our individual descriptions and then some of the background about it, uh, we do have a couple other things that I want to intro for the, the rest of the show. Just to let everybody know that, uh, yes, it is our third uh, episode of Half-Ashed, and it didn't really take too long for someone to send us an email explaining that we've been incorrect about something. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. It's kind of a, a funny, humbling little experience when someone points out the fact that you're a bit daft at times, but that's all right. I'm sure Kip and I are both... Uh, both man enough to take it, and besides that, we've got uh, just some other little ifs and or uh, little odds and ends to throw around in here that we'll want you to listen to the whole show and. Uh, hey, let a grizzled old broadcast veteran give you a little advice about receiving email from your supposed fans and <laughs> detractors. <laughs> Not that he's better. Under any circumstances, engage them because that will only embolden them. <laughs> and I have a few that unfortunately have my phone number and continue to text me to this day. DC, you know who you are. <laughs> DC is great. DC and I have we usually have a conversation about once a week while he's at work and bored and needs somebody to talk to and we'll talk about cigars. So <laughs> actually the, the email we got was um, was actually very helpful. <laughs> it kind of gave me a little more insight into what we were talking about last week with uh, the IPR last year. Well, you guys need to be careful at this point because you have so few listeners, you can't afford to piss any of them off. <laughs> <laughs> and that number's shrinking by the hour. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I have to say the most interesting part about the fact that the email came in was I realized that our listeners have a greater education about what we talk about than, than we do. <laughs> That's typically the case. It typically is. We just try not to let them know that we know that. But anyways, now uh, now that I've sufficiently uh, allowed myself to be humbled, uh, I'd like to talk you a little bit about that. the. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about this uh, Cuenca here. I think Bob, did you say this is the first that you've had this cigar as well, or had you smoked these before? Oh no, this is absolutely the first. I was going to ask, um, is it Kip? Is that his name? Kip. I, was, I, I keep wanting to call him Clip for some reason. Um, the man has eaten meals at your house on numerous occasions, and you still don't even remember his name. Uh, I was going to ask him where he got this, because I really like this. I think this is a really nice cigar. It's a beautiful box-pressed cigar. And, and I'll let you guys who are much more um, adept at it expound on the flavor profiles and the specifics, but... I like it at this point. I think it has a real nice profile. It has a little bit of a bite to it for me, which I like, um, but it, it's not an unpleasant bite. But it has a lot of complexity, and somebody else can tell you what that complexity actually is because I can't. I, I just like to use the word. But it, <laughs> it's a very good cigar. I'm enjoying it very much. Man, I got to say, Dogwatch might have gone on for 12 years if you guys recorded it when the sun was still out because you have <laughs> just got a whole other level of of vibrance to you. This is uh, this is a fun time. I appreciate you guys being on with us. I get two months of vacation. Now they're ready to go. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Just, we're revitalized. 
He just needed a good siesta, that's all. Well, I've completely rebuilt my office. I've added new toys to my life. I'm living, I'm a new man. It's as though I had a near-death experience a month and a half ago. <laughs> but I, uh, I bought these from Cuenca Cigars, surprisingly enough. Um, these were only released a few weeks ago at the end of December. I think the last week of December. And they, um, they, they did an initial run of 500 boxes of 10. Um, like you said, it's a it's a box press torpedo. The dimensions, looking at the notes, are seven inches by fifty four. And I cannot say this for certain, but in the back of my head, I seem to recall them saying there were going to be at least a couple more sizes potentially. Um, and they uh, have introduced them, uh, and by the middle of the year, they want to be in fifty stores, and they're in you know eight or ten right now. I made a list there, and, and I'll publish all that on the Cigarmy uh, after the, the show is up. Um, they go for $85 for a box of 10. And hmm. I, I wow, that's expensive. a lot. Um, but really, you think expensive, Bob? You actually <laughs> shipped me an $8.50 cigar? <laughs> you know what? He, he likes you more than you thought he did, huh? I really. I was willing to send you two, and I would have, except I ran out because I smoked them all up. And uh, <laughs> I was in South Florida this week and replenished. <laughs> I'm terribly impressed. Well, I'll tell you, uh, the price point, I think, at least with the initial uh, little bit, of, I, I've been smoking it is plum reasonable. Uh, I'm really liking this. I, the wrapper on this cigar, at least the example I have, Kip, is just really smooth, gorgeous, oily, beautiful, nice light Maduro color. Uh, and the cigar just has, it, to use Bob's words, and he's right, it's got a lot of complexity. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I, um, I, I think, well, 850 is a little bit more expensive for a cigar than I'd prefer a uh, an initial release to come out at, but the fact of the matter is, is this is a massive cigar. Um, I, I, uh, I'm not incredibly experienced with this at all, or by any means, but I have smoked, um, uh, a sample before tonight, and it took quite a bit of time. It took uh, it. It was a two-hour-plus cigar for me. So, because it is a seven inches long, it's a 54 ring gauge. Plus, the tobacco in it itself is not is not a fast-burning uh, blend whatsoever. Um, I think that 850 does seem to be reasonable, and if you can kind of interpolate from that that maybe something like a traditional Robusto or even a Petite Corona might be in that $5 range. I think it would be pretty realistic. But yeah. and, and just as a little side note, because I have some anal retentive tendency, this, this isn't their... It's an initial release of this cigar, but they have a line of cigars also that they've, they've been putting out for several years. Um, also, if an average person smokes 25 cigars a week, which I do at least, that's and they accurate. smoke an $8.50 cigar, that's $200 a week. So that's that a kip. That's what we call a kip here at the <laughs> right. Yeah, come on. That's man. one kip. And right, if you're Dale and you only smoke one a day, that's $60 a week. So that's a third of a kip. And that's quite doable then, but I don't know if I could refrain from smoking more than one. How do you do that, Dale? The only way Dale is a third of a kip is by body weight. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to once again introduce you to the rat hole. Well, 
Well, it is tough, Bob. I got to say, and sorry, sorry, Craig, but uh, Bob asked a fair question. Uh, I, I guess there's a couple aspects to it. One, if I have had any perspective, uh, lifelong perspective change because of my heart attack, uh, I pay a little more attention to what the doctors say. Not much, <laughs> but a little bit more. And my doctor, is, as I think we talked about at the end of our show, you know, said there's really no proof that cigars are bad for you. But he says, uh, you know, there are some physiological effects. They raise your blood pressure slightly uh, and other things. And so he just wanted me to smoke more than one a day for a couple months. I'm getting near the end of that couple months. So that's the first thing. The other thing is uh, not getting near as many cigars as I used to get because of the show. So, you know, I tend to hoard them a little more. And I'm, you I'm must have got money a lot on... more free ones than I ever got because my... I didn't my say outlay free. hasn't changed. <laughs> I didn't say free. <laughs> uh, but I'm putting money into other things that you've kind of alluded to already yeah, bullets right now. So, yeah, so, so, you know, I'm not smoking gotta, as many Are you going to put broken glass in the top of the fortress wall or just barbed wire? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's making uh, me send him all my CFLs, so that way not only do they get broken glass shoved in their feet, but they also get mercury poisoning over there. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's really a good idea, because then the ones that get away die slowly. <laughs> Zappa style. Uh, yeah, that's all right. Nobody got that slowly. Okay. What's with this Blackhawk stuff? Dying slowly. They haven't even started dying yet. Hockey's dead. Let's be honest. Hockey. <laughs> oh come on. Hockey, NHL and NBA and the baseball. I don't know what they. I don't know what their initials are anymore. Um, are going to long outlive hockey, professional hockey at this point. They just about killed themselves with this strike. You know, I, well, first of all, it wasn't a strike, but if you look Lock back, out. I mean, they're doing this. The last potato. The, the last two collective bargaining agreements, they've done it, and I, I strongly think that they have because, uh, uh, because there is a problem in the sport, no doubt about it, but. I think they're working their way towards um, getting that fixed. I think that there's a very, very loyal fan base um, that will see to it that there's always a, a demand for it. Now, whether or not it can sustain 30 teams in cities like Phoenix and Nashville and uh, Columbus, I'm not so sure. But either way, if we drop down to 15, 18, um, I don't think you'd see the NHL really lose a beat. Uh, I think there'd still be the same amount of fans. The The quality of hockey might be a little bit higher. But you could say the same about basketball. I don't think that team in Charlotte's, Charlotte's really doing anything to uh, increase the overall quality level of the NBA. But No. So, Dale, being a hockey fan, is the Avalanche a long-term possibility? Do they have short-term issues, or is hockey alive and well? Uh, hockey's alive and well here. Um, <clears throat> I think it's one of the in-between teams. It's not one of the old, uh, you know, the old guard, the original yeah. eight teams, of course. But I think they've got a fan base and a structure that far exceeds that of, for example, Nashville or Phoenix or one of those. Uh, I think I think the Avs would survive. But I agree with Craig. I think the I think the league's going to have to come down to twenty-four teams max, uh, probably something under that even. No, just, but the Avalanche has won. I mean, they've they've been winners, not in the same size as the Blackhawks over history, but certainly sure, they've, yeah. they've. But won. no, that yeah, they've they've had great teams. Even years they don't win, they usually make the playoffs. Uh, 
So you know, I think they'd they'd be one of the standards of the of the league. Well, in the last ten years, well I mean, in, nobody does well in Phoenix. Phoenix is no. the death hole of professional sports. Everybody thinks they want to be there because they have this great income level. They have all these people. I got news for you: those old people don't go out, and they're not going to go <laughs> sit in the stadium in the sun. They're not going to go yeah. sit in an ice rink and freeze. So they don't spend money on that stuff. They go to free ro rodeos and concerts in the park. That's what my dad does. He goes to these frickin' bunch of old guys <laughs> playing their instruments in the park. And they I, call it a concert in the park. Is that what so, you were talking about a while ago, the 20-meter band that you're going to see or something there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of old guys in that particular. That's why I joined. So so it sounds like hockey is, is coming back from their little labor problem, their dispute. And that's good, and, and certainly Denver and Chicago are well represented. And, and I want to thank you both for being on tonight in the NHL. And, uh, you know, it, it was interesting to hear a fan's perspective. I, uh, I, I noticed when you and I started uh, bantering back and forth at the very beginning of that uh, conversation, I saw Kip's eyes gloss over, and, and I, I imagined his thought was, Hockey? What is this that they speak of? I've never heard such a thing. How many of your audience do you think you lost? Um, oh, probably <laughs> about half of them. But that's that leaves right. us two. Oh boy. <laughs> yep. Well, because I really don't care about hockey. I could care less if they live or die. But. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I care about having a good show tonight. And again, I, man, I got to thank you guys. I am having a blast already. I can't believe we've been on for. You know, half an hour uh, recording, talking about nothing except laughing our butts off. So, oh, crap! My my shows are coming on. Good, good <laughs> friends and good time. But you know, one thing I do want to hit on with this Cuenca is um, a, a, a little bit of a different experience that I'm having. I um, I'm smoking uh, these two Cuencas, or the the two Cuencas that I've had to review this week um, have both come to me and been packaged in a, uh, a sealed heavy-duty Ziploc um, with a uh, humidipack in there. And so I've both of the ones that I've been having have been very, very over-humidified, probably, probably at least 75% RH and was the environment that they were in. Um, and the interesting fact about that is that I, Kip and I have talked a bit over the last uh, day or so about what my experience has been compared to what his more regular experience has been with these cigars over the last two, two months or so. And um, tonight's example, the one that I'm smoking here, is pretty similar to what I had discussed yesterday with Kip. I am getting a, a huge amount of pepper, um, uh, almost almost a uh, an overwhelming amount in this cigar for me. And I'm not the biggest pepper fan. I think that it can add a lot to a cigar, but I certainly don't think that it should be um, overpowering and, and preventing you from picking up a lot of the other subtle nuances. So I'm at that stage, just uh, definitely into the first third of this cigar, feeling as if I need to maintain a lot of hydration to uh, combat the, the near near overwhelming, almost pepper bomb, almost almost pain that uh, I'm getting from this. It reminds me a lot of an opus in that how the pepper is affecting my soft palate. I don't know if I'm the only one or if either of you two guys, uh, Bob and Dale, who kept shipped these two, if you guys kept them in the, the packets with um, the uh, little humida pack or if it's just me or I, I don't just know. It's just you. No. It's just, <laughs> just me. Kip, I think your boy is calling you out here. 
doesn't bother me any. That's the reason they make so many different kinds of cigars. That's right. Well, well I'll, you know, I'll tell you, I think that... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, bud. Well, I was going to say, what is the deal that he didn't open the Ziploc and take the cigar out? Well... Because <laughs> that was the first thing I did, right? I said, okay, it's here. I have a show to do. Okay, I better take this out and put it in the humidor. <laughs> in, in my defense, it was zero degrees in Chicago when these cigars showed up earlier in the week. So... Uh, knowing that they sat in my mailbox for a few hours in 30-degree sub-freezing temperatures, I decided, you know, I'll leave them in the box, I'll leave them in the bag with the humidification or at least the environment that they should have had, and I'll kind of let them acclimate slowly rather than just, boom, immediately throwing them into a 65-degree, 65% um, uh, humidor. And so when I did open them up on Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, I believe, and took them out to put them in the humidor, saw they were still in that that bag, and I thought, you know what, I'll let them uh, sit there in a very properly humidified uh, environment. And then yesterday when I pulled out the first one, I realized that it was relatively over-humidified. So, yeah, 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 I can uh, take a little bit of flack, but at the same time, I'd rather that than it be a... You know, uh, yeah. a crackling uh, bit of tinder <laughs> in a bag. <laughs> well, you know, I had I had some of the same concerns uh, because mine showed up. Uh, what was that two days ago? And of course, it sat out in the mailbox in twenty degree weather for several hours. And who knows knows how long it was in the mail truck and all that stuff. Uh, so I brought mine in the house, took it out of the box, but I left it in the bag overnight. Then I put the the cigar in the same bag, but I left the bag open in my humidor. Humidor since then. Yep. That's that's the first sign of the after effects of the stroke. He's (laughs) the dementia is creeping in, and as if the guns and ammunition weren't enough of a sign, we now have a speech impediment. That's right. That's you've found out my secret. So mine has uh, probably come down to about sixty-eight, seventy percent humidity, and I don't know if it was all that much over humidified in the bag. I didn't get the feeling that it was, but I just kind of let it warm up to room temperature in the bag overnight and then put it in the humidor, opened the bag so that the air in the bag and the air in the humidor were mixing. And uh, Well, Kip, everybody else kind of beaten up. I think the cigar arrived in great shape. It's smoking perfectly for me, I can tell, because it's a perfect burn. I'm not having any trouble with the burn. And I love the flavor of this cigar. Um, what's his name's weak palate aside? I think the flavors are great. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this cigar, too, and I have a very muted ability to taste tonight with a little bit of a stuffy head, but the review I wrote, I was just bubbling and gushing about this cigar. It, it is, I love it. I, I have now bought quite a few of them, actually. <laughs> I, one thing I will take exception with, Craig, I don't get any black pepper. I get some good spice, but I don't get much black pepper. I'm not saying you're wrong, Craig. It's just, you know, the difference in our palates, I'm sure. Uh, but I've got a lot of oak flavor. I've got a lot of dark fruit, uh, dried fruit kind of flavors. Yep. Uh, and it's it's very, I know we use the term earthy all the time. It gets overused. But this is truly an earthy, uh, almost almost peaty, almost, you know, mushroomy, dark earthy, dank kind of background underneath those spices and, and those uh, dried fruit flavors. I, I agree. I think it's a wonderful cigar. Yeah, there's a ton, a ton of... of woodiness to this and I I uh, get a little bit more pronounced wood in this version than I did in the the, the one that I actually wrote my review there's um, got to be a better way to put that <laughs> <laughs> you 
You know, I can't believe those words came out of my mouth and I didn't even think twice about it. Ay, ay, ay. I definitely uh, detect a lot more oak in this one. Yeah, that's to use your I word. Like there you go. Um, it's uh, it's a, a good cigar. Those supplemental flavors that are there, the the kind of sweet, there's just a hint of that sweet baking spice. I totally agree. I get a lot of raisin. But I totally agree about the dried fruit. Um, the deep, dank, dark, hard flavors uh, out of this cigar come in spades, no doubt about it. I just wish that, to me, that that um, aggressive spice was a little less aggressive. <clears throat> but I'm in the first third, and as this cigar goes on, we'll see if it behaves a little bit more like um, like what yesterday's example did. It should tame down a touch. So, And, and that was what struck me as, or caught me off guard when we were trading some texts last night when we were smoking the first one, was that I am extremely sensitive to the kind of spice you're describing, and I call it nasal napalm, as I have many times before. And and I don't get that at all with this one. And hmm. for several of them, I haven't had that problem or that experience. Matter of fact, can I to, give you to your moniker that? there, I, I, I like your term nasal napalm, but you retrohale this cigar. There is no harshness or irritation from it, at least with me at all. That's Can actually really unique. Little, You're right. A little bit of advice here as a as a, a grizzled <laughs> podcaster to the newbies. I, you know, I'm going to venture to say we don't have a choice in the matter. If you're going to spend all that time texting each other, <laughs> just call. Do it on Twitter. <laughs> do it on Twitter. Get the publicity. Get the troops riled up. Get the word out there. Let people see your opinions. That's a good point. The problem with that is I don't get immediate notification when someone mentions me in a tweet. Well, that's easy to fix. Oh, well, maybe maybe I should tweet you oh, and you should teach me how to do it. That's right. You have an Android phone. Maybe it's not so no, easy. No, no, I don't. I've got a 4S. <laughs> oh, well, then it's easy. I have an Android phone, and I do get immediate notifications. Yeah, go into the settings notifications and turn it on. You can make it. You can make it make any sound you want when that tweet comes in. Well, I'll have to. I'll have to act like I know how to operate my smartphone properly. <laughs> I'm glad to see you've joined the professional ranks on Gondo a Five S. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it, the fact of the matter is, is my wife has been on the. Uh, let's just call it a wait list. There's been some extenuating circumstances, but she's been on the wait list for an iPhone Five. Um, for about a month and a half now, and so I caved and got the 4S because I was too cheap to want to buy the 5, but I need her to tell me how to operate it properly. So I'm, I'm still a little bit in the dark with how to properly operate this uh, this iPhone, but we'll get there. Do you, do you mind if I say something personal to Dale? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I as haven't talked to him in quite... I, I really miss my weekly chats with Dale. 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 And I know we, we had, you know, certain frictions throughout our term as podcasters. That That's normal, being a, a team and partners and things. You know, it, it, I mean, look at the Beatles, right? You know, they broke up. We didn't break up over it. Um, <laughs> and we certainly didn't shoot each other over it, so. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, but I got it. One of the things I want to... <laughs> Well, I'm not knocking on your door during Armageddon. You can yeah, you can write that off. That's like uh, you know a death sentence. But um, I I just want to say, have you noticed? I want to compliment you because throughout that eight years, 
I got to say, you were never as easy to get off topic as these two are. <laughs> yeah, I tried really hard to steer us back. <laughs> well, folks, for those of you who don't know what uh, what we've alluded to a number of times, and what I had mentioned in the intro about Dog Watch Cigar Radio, Bob and Dale co-hosted that podcast for 410 episodes, the longest running cigar podcast. Uh, still to this day, what is the longest-running cigar podcast uh, ever in existence? It's a hell of an accomplishment. Um, the four of us are speaking here now because of the fact that they did have that podcast. Um, great friends, excellent, excellent stewards of this lifestyle that we love. And uh, so give them, give them the benefit of the doubt. They sound like old crotchety... Uh, <laughs> Well, I can't use that word on iTunes, but they—they—they're uh, some guys who know what they're talking about and good friends. So. <laughs> Forgive all the rat holes this evening. We're not normally like this. Now, now you know, I gotta say, I gotta say, Bob, these guys, you know, listen to us, have been friends for years. They've tried to improve the podcasting situation. They've got a structured, organized set of notes here. And we're just getting them all off their game. It's it's really not fair, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I really think they have taken it to a new level. Not saying what level that is, but it is a new level. A level. <laughs> not, not saying a, a, a better or worse level. <laughs> it's, it's a new level. Let's just leave it at that. Take the compliment and move on. The uh, I you know Dale, I, since you've only cut since you've cut back to only one cigar a week now or a day. I'm one sorry. a day. Yep. Um, and I think that's admirable. I, I think, you know, those kinds of lifestyle changes are difficult. And I, I can't imagine cutting back to a single cigar a day, especially given my work environment where I can smoke all day at my desk and things like that. Um, it, it would be very difficult. Has it changed your you're, – now, you're quite the scotch connoisseur. Has it changed your approach to scotch and – Oh no, it hasn't. Okay, <laughs> he just fell out of his chair, ladies and gentlemen. So apparently, what he's lost in cigars, he's made up for in scotch. Nah, I hear you though, brother. I really do. Uh, and it and it's hard. From one standpoint, it's hard for me too because I enjoy cigars so much. I mean, if I could work from home like you, I'd probably be smoking seven or eight a day like you. Uh, you know, that would be my want. Uh, but <laughs> on the other hand. From a from the tobacco point of view, I mean, I don't miss it like you know back in the old no. days when I used to, you know, smoke cigarettes or chew or any of that stuff. It's it's not the nicotine. It I, you know I can go for four or five days. I don't miss the tobacco portion. I miss the flavors. I miss the camaraderie. I miss the experience. Uh, all that. But so from one one point of view, it hasn't been hard at all. From the other side, though, it's yeah, it's you know I give giving up uh, particularly on my drives. On my commute to to work and from work, I have an hour's drive each way. Perfect time for a cigar. Hmm. That's been that's been the hardest time to give up. Well, let me offer you an alternative for your, your drive time, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Audible dot com. This is the best way to to read your favorite books. I've gotten back into science fiction. I'm now reading the Lost Fleet series. I finished the first book, Dauntless. I'm reading. I'm listening to reading Fearless now. And, Dale, this might be a great alternative for your drive time because it's a wonderful way to expand your mind and enjoy some of the more literary things in life in an, in an entertaining <laughs> way. Um, you notice he didn't talk much about giving up scotch, though, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, I, I still have one of those a day. I haven't changed my habit there. Do you, no. you have your one scotch on your commute, too? 
No, no. (laughs) (laughs) It was that scotch he carried in his hand in the ambulance all the way to the hospital from the golf course. That was the one that really (laughs) got him in trouble and kind of pissed off his doctor a little bit. Well, I got to say, as much as as you're claiming that you're – Leading us in the wrong direction here. You're you're setting me up beautifully for the introduction of this uh, this next segment that Kip and I have talked about for the past two weeks, um, and uh, what we're finally going to introduce tonight with you two guys as our esteemed guests. So, if uh, if you guys don't mind, Bob, if you don't mind, since you uh, you know, you're <laughs> so great. Go on, you on, <laughs> lead on, Craig. I, I, uh, I'd like to kind of give a bit of a proper introduction here on something that Kip and I have been working through and uh, something that he's... Hey, if it gets boring, I have my television. So <laughs> <not worried. laughs> well, anyway, so uh, th- this segment really meant to um, ask the vocal personalities in the cigar world uh, a-, a couple things that they might not regularly think, let alone publicly spout out on the internet or at an event if uh, if we were speaking to a manufacturer, but these questions that we're about to ask uh, Bob and Dale are meant to really illuminate more about the subject, um, meaning both of you, than just a published review or your basic um, uh, podcast was where you had a very set structure of what you'd discuss, um, or a press release if uh, a manufacturer was to ever sit down and uh, have a conversation with someone or send an email out or something. So. Um, this hopefully will tell us a little bit more about you, the person, as well as the industry as a whole. So um, we've put these together. Kip and I are also, um, I think, going to participate a little bit um, just to kind of break the ice on all of it. But something tells me we're not going to have an issue getting either of you guys to uh, to talk about this. So um, first and foremost, let's just jump right in and, uh, and, and handle this uh, without any further ado. So... Kind of an odd question here, but what do you guys think about the industry? Do you think there's anything wrong today with it? <laughs> do you want to go first, Dave? Really? Because I could really, guys. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I've only got one thing, and I've been thinking about this question ever since I saw your notes a couple of days ago. In general, I don't think there's anything more wrong with the cigar industry than there is with any other industry, with the exception of, and we've... I've talked about this at least for several years, and there's a few others in the industry we have as well. I'd like to see some standards, not government-imposed, not regulatory, but industry-imposed standards on, you know, marketing claims. I don't know how else to say it, but, you know, the age of tobaccos in the cigars, there's no way that you have to... uh, I can't go out and vet that X cigar really has been aged for 17 years like somebody says it has. Yeah. Uh, if somebody says all the tobacco comes from one field on one farm in one year, I can't really vet that. I think there needs to be some some industry standards, some peer pressure, some, I don't know what the right word is. Kind of like the wine industry, and I've talked about this before. You know, if you claim something is from one region or, you know, from these seeds or whatever, there just needs to be a little bit of, of self-regulation in the industry from that standpoint. And I think that's mostly from the standpoint of not misleading the consumer. Other than that, I don't see anything wrong with the industry that that bothers me. Hmm. I, I mean, I would agree with Dale in that I'm not as worried about that aspect, maybe, as, because I think it is self-regulating. I think the consumers tend to – there's considerable backlash if people find out you lied. Now, 
they all make marketing claims that can, that are not necessarily easily substantiated or honest. But that's that's a matter of opinion. I I think I'll give you an example of what I think though is wrong with the industry. I think we have a huge battle ahead of us to maintain our right to smoke, to choose whether or not we smoke, and. CRA is doing a fantastic job. They work hard. I think they do a lot of good things. I, I just got my bill today for IPCPR membership as an internet media person. And I'm not joining IPCPR again for a number of reasons. For one thing, they want $395 for a one-year membership to IPCPR. And they sent along a membership questionnaire that had nothing on it about being internet media was all about being a retail cigar shop and they have the membership apparently has over I think we talked about this maybe on our last show or on one of your first shows about how IPCPR was considering a consumer day at the next IPCPR convention which which a lot of people thought was a very good idea you'd pay a fee get to go in for an evening meet cigar makers you'd get a few free cigars that kind of thing Apparently the membership didn't think it was a very good idea at all. So they've they've killed that idea completely. And I see IPCPR as a dead and dying organization that has failed to live up to its responsibilities to not only cigar smokers but retailers and manufacturers. And and they're a prime example of what's wrong, why we might lose this this precious battle. Um, there's a battle in Florida right now. Florida's considering a law to allow municipalities to pass their own laws regarding outdoor smoking. And, you know, so I've written my state representatives and stuff voicing my opinion, but it's it's a tough world out there. And, and to see somebody like IPCPR blunder so blatantly through, when they could have had internet media as a real ally in fighting this battle and and to do these kinds of things it, it's just really ridiculous um, that's why I said I, I wanted to go second I, I really have a bone to pick with IPCPR right now I think they've they've blundered tremendously and they're dead to me I mean as far as that's just the easiest way to put it IPCRA not I'd like CRA I still support CRA I believe in what CRA is doing but I, I don't see IPCPR representing anybody in this case, and and what they've accomplished, they've accomplished on the backs of CRA. They they teamed with CRA to fight legislation. Great, CRA did all the work. Um, IPCPR took some of the credit, but their membership is is lackadaisical. IPCPR membership, um, it's it's shrinking for good reason, and. It's just very unfortunate to see. So that's what I think is wrong. Hmm. Well, I I, uh, I did not prepare um, a written response to this like Kip did, so I'll, uh, I'll allow Kip to go last on this one if you don't mind. I'll jump in and talk about the the first of all the the item that you had mentioned, Dale, has been the the most nagging problem that I have with the industry the the opportunity for people to just blatantly market. Um, market fabrication as truth and have that be an, a, a representation of what the consumer views as 
as a reality. You know, um, 20-year-old tobacco or whatever it is, 23-year-old tobacco or 17-year-old tobacco or, or uh, I mean, even things like a Cameroon wrapper not really being grown in Cameroon. It's, it's a Cameroon style at times. You know, I just... It, it, there's a number of different examples of things like that that just bug the hell out of me or things that don't really make much of a difference when it comes to um, the smoking experience, Cuban seed tobacco. Well, uh, you know, is it first generation? Is it 75th generation? I mean, you know, what's the what's the reality of it there? I mean, even first generation can have uh, some influences of what those original uh, Cuban plants may have been, but uh, it's certainly not an indication of a true representation of that heritage. An indication of the representation of, wow. Um, <laughs> but let it, me you know, ask you this. That's been my bone to pick. Because I don't disagree with any of that. I think I think they lie to us on our... Lie. They exaggerate on a regular basis to us. But There's a lot of lies, too. Does How much of that really affects what you buy and smoke? I mean, quite frankly, I don't listen to any of that. I don't go buy a cigar because they say it has 20-year-old tobacco in it. I go and, buy and a most cigar of us, because I like it. And, and most of us who smoke, well, you know, I can't say now I smoke three or four cigars a day, but, you know, uh, most of us who are serious hobbyists or passionados or cigar geeks, however you want to say it, uh, do know know the difference and they know what they like, what they don't like, and they don't pay much attention to that either. Uh, all that marketing speak doesn't affect what I buy, but it probably affects what 90% of the cigar smokers out there buy. That's what bothers me is is people who just are getting into it or maybe only smoke you know, seven, eight times a year during a celebratory experience are often very, very misled by that marketing. They'll buy a cigar for a very special occasion that, you know, maybe isn't all that special of a cigar, and and it just bothers me. But are they if they're spending high dollars for it. Oh, if they enjoy, that, enjoy the cigar and they have a great time, I, yeah. I guess it doesn't hurt anybody. See, I, I um, think it, you know, that that's a, a that's a... <laughs> Um, excuse me. Well, while Bob's choking, I'll I'll jump in. That, I think you your that. comments reflect your general attitude about the general population, and that's why you have an arsenal in your house. You generally, <laughs> you know, you view the general population to not be very intelligent or um, <laughs> Look who they voted for in the last election. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, well, you know, maybe I'll have to join your side. I yeah. could be convinced. Yeah. Um, uh. So I yeah no I all kidding aside I agree with you Dale I think it is unfortunate that somebody goes out and spends eighteen or twenty dollars a piece on a cigar thinking they're buying something really special for a special occasion and and they may not have the experience to know that it's not what they paid for when they smoke it whether or not they enjoy it is beside the point it may not be what they thought it was but most things in life tend to be that way but I here's here's my thing. I don't. I'm not asking for anyone who's got a cigar out there to change it. I don't want the the Rocky Patel 1990 to be a different blend, you know. Or if it's not using tobacco from 1990, which I, you know, I certainly don't know for sure if it is or isn't. I'm just saying that's something that that so very blatantly states a a vintage. Um, all I'm saying is by not having that collective support that that pledge that yes we are going to have integrity in what we do and be able to allow the consumer 
to decide how deep they want to get into this industry rather than deciding that for them, I think that's something that is a problem with the industry. You can buy a bottle of champagne, and if it's from Epernay or if it's if it's it, it, it doesn't even matter. You can buy a bottle of champagne, and you know that that is from a very specific region in France, and that's what you're getting. You can buy a bottle of of Brunello, and you know that it is a very specific deep red wine that's Italian. You can't go out and buy a Fuente and know that it's Dominican. You can't go out and buy a Pepin and know that it's Nicaraguan. Now, we know that because we've we've done that research, but what about A.J. Fernandez? What are his cigars from? But see, there's no such thing in the cigar industry as there is in wines that says a cigar is Nicaraguan means it's a Nicaraguan Puro. It means it was made in Nicaragua. Who knows where the tobacco came from? That's what my point. What we hope is yeah, that they use the, point. the best tobacco. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, so what do you want them to call it? If it's got Ecuadorian, Mexican, Nicaraguan, and Honduran tobacco in it, what do you want them to call it? It's I want them to have to tell us what that is. It's not a secret in other industries what people do. And I'm not saying I want I want specific information as to how one factory processes their tobacco versus another factory because we've all seen those face-off cigars. You work with the same tobacco, you have completely different finished products. The fact of the matter is, is I want someone to tell me, I'm sorry, I, I want there to be an organization that will force people to tell me a certain amount of information and let me do with what I want with that information. Right now, the most we're ever going to get from from the industry right now is do I like it or do I not like it or do I tend to like this type of, of tobacco or do I tend to like that type of tobacco but even manufacturers you say like this one I'll look up at at the, the write up for the, the five anniversario Nicaraguan filler Nicaraguan binder and a select Habano Oscuro wrapper what is Habano Oscuro wrapper what is that? that could mean any number of things it could be 47th generation of Habano seed that was taken out of Cuba in 1998. You know, it could mean that, or it it, it could mean something altogether different. Habano Oscuro could just be a description of how the wrapper looks. There's nothing that tells you anything definitive about a cigar. All I want is there to be voluntary um, regulations that people can follow in the hope that it will educate the, the consumer and lead to the ultimate betterment of the industry. Well, I don't I want to know I, everything about it. I want you to tell me and pledge that you will tell me, as all of your competitors, specific things about that cigar. That's guaranteed. So if I could give you a cigar environment where every cigar was labeled with the exact ingredients that it contained and they were assured by some third-party organization. No, I don't want the FDA involved, because I know that's where you're going. That's what you got. You, I was going to say, I'm going to make you guys very happy, because that's exactly what the FDA wants to do. No, but it's, <laughs> no, it's, no, not, it's not at all what, what I'm FDA saying. <laughs> it, it, the F, you're, you're, you're putting words in the mouth of what the FDA regulation is going to do. That's it's. You might be ending at uh, that very convenient talking point, but what you're actually going to get with the FDA is a completely different prerogative. There's there's a goal there to find out that this product is not safe for you. 
Okay, so you're going to get the Brazilian labeling and, and testing laws. No, what you're going to get is the ability to find that I like this type of tobacco. I like this this country of origin of tobacco. That's where I can guide myself. I know personally, I do not care for Prosecco as much as I care for um, uh, Cava, and then subsequently I do not care for Cava as much as I care for Champagne. And I prefer Champagne from the Epernay area or region over others. So I know that because there are some guidelines or basic requirements to what constitutes a cava. Port, sherry. I don't know about sherry. I shouldn't say, speak to that. But it, it, there are these guidelines as to what that has to be. And you can put Maduro on a cigar and it means absolutely nothing. I just want Maduro to mean something. I'm not saying you have to put it on. I'm not saying your cigar has to be Maduro. I'm saying do whatever you want. But be honest and have the integrity that <laughs> uh, establishing some level of processing to a color variation as is what Maduro means rather than just the style of a cigar. Have integrity that that's how you're going to move forward as an industry so that way you can be honest with your consumer base. That's all I want. I want the industry to be honest with me rather than to assume that I can't handle that honesty or that their own competitors can't handle it without being thieves. Because I think like those would be the two I'd like downsides. I like what Kip has to say. Man, I'm just soaking this all up. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just a listener there for a while. That was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> Do you still want to be a listener? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking uh, of, of where some magic answer might lie between those two options you guys are throwing out there. And, and I get what you're saying, Craig, but I think maybe... I don't know how well it would work for it to be voluntary, but I absolutely don't want it to be some governing body that tells them what they have to put on a label or something. All right, what if it's not, well, when you say governing, I, I trust that you mean government yeah. or governmental. What if it's a governing body that's that's elected, and it's it's a governing body that's elected by the cigar manufacturers of the cigar manufacturers? What if it's an appointment of, of industry professionals who are educated to know the difference and they they give up a year's term? So, uh, well, what do you use, then, if you have a Cameroon seed wrapper? It comes from Cameroon seed. The seed is Cameroon. And it's grown in Honduras. Then that's so what you state. To, that's huh? what you state. It's a... Then you state it's a Cameroon variety grown in province XXYZ of Ecuador. So when they start telling you, and Davidoff is one that would do this, could do this, that they're using HK513 tobacco because that's their code number for it. That's what they call it internally. That's what mm -hmm. they grew it as. means nothing. Yeah, and, and where where's the... the the end of what kind of information you're going to put on there. Cause I've yeah. Seen... yeah, see, this so is where I think Cameron's... I disagree with Craig a little bit. I don't want them to have to put all the ingredients, as you said, Bob, or all the varieties on the label. I just want the ones that are there to be straight up and honest. That's what I, I want. Yeah. I, I mean, if somebody I, says this is a Maduro uh, Corojo from grown in Nicaragua, I expect that's what it really is. 
I don't want it to really turn out to be Brazilian opraca or Mexican something yes. in place of. I mean, I, what I, they say it is is what it needs to be. So, I would like to see more honesty in the marketing of cigars. Yeah, I can agree that, with that. Greg wants more information. You two guys want the information that's there just to be accurate. Yeah, I'd be at. That would make me really happy because yeah, I don't I don't mind doing my own digging to find out what stuff really is, and if I can't ever find out, oh well. But if they say it's this, it darn well better be that. And, yeah. and I I'd like to uh, I'd like to clarify a little bit. I I guess I'm not looking for a specific ingredient list. I the point I was making by how people process tobacco differently is enough to differentiate. I guess what I'm trying to say there is I respect. Um, I respect proprietary methods or proprietary products. You know, let's just say that whatever that organizing body or that that overseeing body decides is what I would have interest in. And if in the best interest of the industry, you only have to say country of origin and varietal of tobacco. You don't have to get into priming. You don't have to get in get into process rate. You don't even have to get into age. That's fine. I just I'm looking for some amount of information that's consistent to the point where I wouldn't even want people to put out a cigar and say I'm telling you nothing about it. Now you can do that if you don't want to be a voluntary member of this organization of this overseeing body. But if you want to be a voluntary member of this overseeing body, you should agree to these standards of at least country of origin and varietal. See, I guess I don't care because I don't care what's in it. I don't care. You can give me the list. You can be accurate. You can lie to me. I don't care because I'm going to smoke it. If I like it, I'll smoke more of them. If I don't like it, I'm not going to smoke any more of them. And I don't care. I may have three cigars that all say they have the same tobacco in, and I like one of them, and that's the one I'm going to smoke. I don't care. I don't go buy a cigar because of what I think is in it, but I do buy a cigar based on who made it. I, yeah, but let's, more, let's... I can tell more about a cigar based on the factory it comes out of, the blender it comes from, than I can about what's in it. Let's be honest about the fact that you you don't right now because you can't. And it might not change, but if you had that information, you might be able to, to develop a whole other method of this enjoyment that you can't even imagine right now because it's not available to you to even... I don't care if my tomato came from Georgia, Florida, or Tennessee. I just care. If right, it's but a good if you tomato. found out that Georgia t tomatoes were the best in the world to your taste, Wait a I guarantee you would go for those. <laughs> <laughs> now, tomatoes are a different animal. You cannot get a good tomato out of the state of Florida, as far as I'm okay. concerned. Okay. <laughs> I think we need to move on to question two. We can beat this horse till it's dead. I, I think we'll need to uh, add Bob McDuffie to the list of uh, hosts to this show, apparently. <laughs> I am curious about one thing, though. Kip never did uh, get a chance to tell us if he thought there was anything else wrong with the industry. I'm curious, Kip, well, what do you think about that? Actually, some of the, the notes I'd put down were kind of tied in with what Craig's saying, but maybe not to the same degree. Um, and it's something that's wrong with the industry, but it's also, at the, by the same token, it's something that's very right with the industry. And I think a lot of uh, manufacturers and people that are behind the scenes are um, from the old school and very want to do things the way they've done things for the last hundred years. And I think that's great. 
when you're growing or curing or blending or making cigars or and all that. But but it's seems to be tougher and tougher for cigar companies to 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 be available to the consumer who have questions. Where if they don't have some kind of presence in any kind of technology that's been going on for the past ten years, there a fair number of cigar companies that do have folks that are you know on Twitter they have decent websites or, or whatever but they're in the minority you know I go to a lot of manufacturer sites and they have basically a, a placeholder page that was updated seven years ago that doesn't say anything that's useful anymore like I can't find a retailer I, I can't find what's in a blend they don't have half the lines that are out today listed because they haven't updated it since they released them um, and that's just lazy well yeah and, and it, but it's it's prevalent and uh, I think that's it's going to become tougher and tougher to be successful in whatever kind of marketing you're doing if you're not involved with your consumers because you know the consumers they know more than ever they, they research they dig they want to have access to the people that are making these things to, to you know, get some some of the information Craig's talking about and a lot of them are just not available at all by, by, by any means and I think that'll change as the guard changes. You know, when the uh, the next generation of cigar makers are coming onto the scene, the, the children of the people doing it now are growing up with that kind of uh, social media kind of presence, that kind of availability, and it's just going to be second nature, and it's just something that'll evolve. You know, I I I think you're you're being way too kind because that <laughs> generation right now is involved in the businesses, and they're not making that change. Yeah. And, and the speed that the change is going to happen, I guess, is something yet to be seen. It's going to change, but whether it changes before the cigar industry gets faced out of business or not, I don't know. That's like measuring the speed of a tortoise crossing the street when, you have, when you're in your car. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I think that you're right, and I do agree with you, Kip. I, um, I think that's... A lot in line with what I'm saying. It's just perhaps uh, uh, a different avenue of it. I just, it, I, I don't. I'm the consumer who's looking for more information. I'm the person who's always looking for more information. Yeah, and, and, and so there are people like yourself out there that are very accustomed to being able to research something they're buying and get all every piece of information they want. And they come to the world of cigars, and none of that's available, and and they just they don't have access to anything they're looking for. Well, I uh, I think we've also touched on this second question here. the The second question that I wanted to ask is how can it be fixed? Um, and we've we've certainly beaten my uh, passionate <laughs> topic to death, but. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure how to fix the specific detail that you're talking about, Kip. I don't know. The world is going to change as people who never lived with the Internet are no longer around. And so I, I think that everyone's perspective is going to be, it, it's just naturally going to be different when there's not that generation who just doesn't like it because they didn't grow up with it, you know, um, or maybe not comfortable with it is the right way of putting it. But, um, I, I think Bob's right to a point. It's it's already there. I mean, I I um, 
I'm in my 30s. You know, I've certainly been in the professional world for a while now, and um, at least I grew a year up, or two. I I, <laughs> I, can, I don't even know what warrants that sort of <laughs> insult from Bob. Sometimes never trust anybody under 30, right, Dale? That's right. That's right. Well, Craig, you know, I I think on that specific one, my opinion is market, you know, our wonderful capitalistic system, at least here in the U.S., uh, but but the market's going to gonna force that to happen. And I think to Kip's point, you know, the, those cigar companies who want to stay old school, old Cuban, you know, we hold everything tight to the vest. We don't care about the Internet. We don't care about Twitter. We don't care about, you know, conversing with our customers. If they're happy maintaining a half of a percent of the cigar market, that's where they'll stay. I mean, you look at somebody like Drew Estate. Drew Estate makes a lot of cigars, and a lot of them I don't enjoy. They make a few I do enjoy. But you cannot throw a dead cat without seeing a Drew Estate tweet or Facebook or print ad or something. Those guys are out there on the front edge of it. And then you look at some of the others that, you know, you wonder if they're ever going to jump on at all, much less be on the trailing edge. You can see where the money's going. The money goes where the attention goes. So those who... who uh, who are serious about staying in the business and improving their share of the market, they're going to catch on. Those that don't, they aren't going to catch on, and they'll either go away or they'll become a brand you can never find because nobody carries them because nobody's ever heard of them. And here's my fear. We're going to end up with a cigar world that's driven very similar to the car, the automobile industry. The And the difference is a cigar is a craftsman item. They are... Liz brought up an interesting question today. We were sitting out in the garage this morning having our coffee and our cigar, and and she said, you know, how long before these are no longer handmade? How long before they all go to being machine-made? Because that's the way the modern world's going. And I really, although I like what Kip says about more openness and, and being part of the social media and that sort of thing, I don't want to see the cigar industry turn into the automobile industry where it's it's a craftsman product, and that's why I like it. Everyone is different. Everyone I pull out of a box is different from the one next to it, and no two cigars are exactly alike, and that I'm okay with that. I, I'm a little old school about that. I still like that, and I live in the tech world 24 hours a day, seven days a week, believe me. Um, but... And I love it, but I, I don't want to see everything in my life go that way. Well, yep, I'll, I agree with that. I'll, uh, I'll close out this question. That's the, the benefit of being one of the hosts on the show. Wow, I finally get to take advantage of this. <laughs> I will have the final word on this segment by saying that, uh, Bob, I think your fear of cigars perhaps getting to that point um, where a person is no longer necessary, I think that we can we can – Avoid that through education, and education because of that that freedom of information, that willingness to share, and to educate your consumer base is the only way to ensure that it continues in the craftsmanlike manner that you're discussing. Because there's not someone who can find a loophole, take advantage of it, exploit something, or altogether rape the beautiful industry that we have, and. Um, I, I just don't think there'll ever be a downside to educating and demanding honesty and education from an industry. So now 
that being said, let's uh, let's move on. The uh, the third question after the first uh, of what's wrong and the second of how can it be fixed. Our third question is, um, and this is much more lighthearted. What's your favorite moment related to cigars? And I I don't just want the the basic boilerplate. Oh, I love the the camaraderie. Try to be specific here. <laughs> you took away my answer. That's why I got clarified. <laughs> well. When I think back on favorite times with cigars, I realize completely that many of my favorite times with cigars are not because of the cigar and not necessarily because of the, the situation. Uh, because, quite frankly, some of my favorite times were with cigars that, in my memory, are much better than I know they actually were. You know, my my first cigar, for example, was a La Troya Classico. And at the time, I think they were still made in the Canary Islands. And I had some afterward that I just wasn't impressed with at all. But that first one was just amazing at the time. And, you know, I could say the same for the the first um, Cuban cigar I had sitting on a dock in the middle of Tennessee fishing. The fishing was terrible. The, the dock was falling apart. And, and the cigar was a really cheap not so well made machine roll Romeo y Julieta and but in my memory that was a fantastic time and I loved it. You know, and and there's, you know, any of a hundred different nights I've spent on my patio or, or with some of my cohorts patios. They're just great times and and then, you know, cigars have become so much a part of my day to day life that that they're actually kind of a, a method of remembering. My, my mind just makes the association between an event or a, a time or a situation and what cigar I'm smoking at, at that time, that, that they're just bound together. It just kind of bonds the memory into my head. And I think the you know, good cigars or even sometimes not so good cigars and, and good times just go, go well together. Yeah, that's such a good point. It's, it's unique to me to hear you say that uh, um, cigars are one of those things that can trigger a memory or be so tied to a memory. There's only only three things in my life that that's the case for. It's music, specific songs will take me to a place, or if I'm somewhere, I'll think about a very specific song, um, a meal, a very specific meal prepared a very specific way, or a cigar. Um, it's unique. I've never really made that connection before, but only those three things in my life. It's kind of cool to hear you say that, Kip. What about you, Dale? What's your, what's your uh, I don't know, what, Talk about a little bit of a positive memory. Yeah, uh, you know, as I as I reflect back, I think for me the v- most very favorite specific moments related to cigars are, and we've been fortunate, all of us here, to be able to stand in the fields where the tobacco's grown of a cigar you really love, and talk to the guy who grew the tobacco and the guy who blended the cigar, and get just a little bit of what was in their head, what their passion is. Uh, to me, that brings it all together, and I guess it goes back to my roots of being in agriculture. You know, I'm, I I like things that come from the land, and to stand and listen to Jaime and, and Pepin talk about Pelo de Oro uh, cultivated on La Estrella and the cigars they're putting it into and smoking one of those cigars while they're talking about it, even though I don't understand a lot of Spanish. It's, <laughs> it's, it, you know, you, you get the passion from these guys uh, standing in the place where it happens and then get to think about it. And I'm lucky enough to be able to take a box of these home and, and relive this experience now any day I want. I mean, for me, that 
that's one of the most most special things about cigars. Hmm. Bobby, I I'm going to go a little bit off the reservation here. I, I, actually, I think it agrees pretty much with everything you guys have said. I mean, I'd love to hit on the camaraderie thing, but I was already told I couldn't. So, <laughs> here, here's my favorite time with cigars, and fortunately for me, it happens seven days a week. It's that I go out in my garage with a cigar and a good cup of coffee, and I kind of watch the sun come up, and the squirrels are running around, and the birds are eating. I don't really care about that nature stuff. But you have that first cigar, that great cup of coffee in the morning, and the whole day begins to open up to you, and the cigar becomes a part of that. And you, you really without sounding too mushy about it, you really do sit there. I do anyway. I sit there and I see a wonderful opportunity opening to me and I'm enjoying it. I'm experiencing it with a cigar. And that's, those are the moments that I love the most about cigars. If, if I could only have one cigar a day, that would be the moment that I would do it. That's because that to me is that's my personal cigar experience that tops it all. That's cool. That is pretty darn cool. I, uh, I'm <clears throat> blessed, um, very blessed. My uh, Ellie and I have kind of been talking recently. Have both as both of us have had uh, some problems sleeping, and Ellie had had mentioned to me, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that, um that actually helps. I'm able to kind of drop all the stress and all the BS of work and life and everything that goes on. If, uh, while I'm laying down in bed, I start thinking about all my blessings and, you know, not to, to make this too touchy feely, but, um, I, I can kind of extrapolate that to, uh, to cigars for me and think about all the amazing memories that I do have. You know, I can think about, um, sitting in my garage in the town I grew up in when I was 17 years old, 18 years old, I don't even remember. Um, and my dad gave me an H. Upman. Uh, um, and I, I don't even really smoke Upmans now, but I mean, I can think back on that experience about how I felt like maybe, maybe I was my dad's friend. You know, I wasn't just his son. Um, I can think about a time that I drove out to, uh, Colorado, my, my dad had, uh, um, my dad and I were driving a, a U-Haul truck with my sister's, all my sister's possessions because she was moving to Colorado. And so we were driving from the Midwest out and I brought a box of Diplomatical number fours in this U-Haul. And, uh, you know, we've made that drive a bunch and I knew it was probably 18 hours at the speed we'd be going in that truck. And so I asked my dad, do you think we can make it through the box? And we made it through the box of Diplomaticos on the drive. The two of us. Um, I can uh, I can think of standing in a countless number of trout rivers, um, puffing on a cigar, getting the tempo of of uh, of the the cast with the you know the the babble of the brook or the little stream and the puff of the cigar and the majesty of this country. You know, going to places where maybe just maybe nobody's ever stepped before. And uh, being able to have a cigar be my companion when I'm there. Um, and then I think about the complete opposite of that experience, being in the middle of nowhere and being in Las Vegas in 
2008 with Dale and with uh, a, a buddy of ours, Mark Neff, and sitting in the Mirage, the sports book in the Mirage, with uh, a part against 150. Um, and See, now you're cheating. You're going back to the camaraderie thing. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, well, he's the host. He gets to do whatever he wants. Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm not being generic in saying camaraderie <laughs> is my favorite part. I'm being specific. <laughs> That 150 was, was a mighty fine cigar, though. Camaraderie that he found most entertaining. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is that uh, you know I might have to I might have to take the the melting pot approach to this and say that I've got uh, a lot of blessings in my life, and a lot of them revolve cigars, and a lot of those good memories are um, are because of cigars and. Uh, you know, you could look at each of them individually and on different days of the week say, that one's my favorite. I think I, I, I like that memory the most or, or, or this one maybe. But um, I'm going to look back and I'm going to say those five, six things that I'll never forget that have uh, really made me enjoy cigars as much as I do today. Um, I can look back on those moments and realize that, that I probably enjoy them more because of each of those. So... That's that's what it is for me. I'm I'm pretty damn lucky, and I got a lot of great memories, and a lot of them involve you guys. So, so it's a good time, a lot of good times. Hmm. Well, damn it, I was waxing poetic, and I didn't look at the next question. I got to go into the notes. <laughs> we about passed up Kip again, though. <laughs> I went first on that one. Oh, that's yeah. right. That was so long ago, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Greg, couldn't resist. Oh, shut up. <laughs> well, the last two questions here go hand in hand. We'll, we'll bang them out at the same time again, and it's a little bit more lighthearted. So uh, it's a good way to end these the uh, introduction to these questions here, boys. So thanks for participating, all of you. But the last one is, do you have any cigars or manufacturers that you properly line up with through and through? And then... The opposite of that also stands true. Do you just have somebody you just can't like or a line that no matter how many times you try, you just don't enjoy? Um, I'll go first. I, you know, In terms of ones that I line up with, I guess say A.J. Fernandez. I, there's very little I can think of that is made by him that I don't like. Um and he makes cigars for under a lot of different labels. I, I understand that, and I smoke all of them. But uh, AJ's one of those makers that I have found, recently at least, that I think a lot of. And, and I'll buy a cigar just because I know it was made by AJ. And and we smoke a lot of AJ overruns um, because they're tasty cigars that are, you know, you can get them for a buck, buck and a half a piece if you work at it. So... Um, A.J. Fernandez is one I line up with. There's two that I don't. <laughs> um, and this goes back to one of your earlier comments about the computerization, the social media of cigars. And, and when you were talking about that, Kip, the one that came to mind was we would have a whole world of CAO visions. Um <laughs> You know, where it was where it's more marketing than it is substance. More you know, more hype than substance. And, and if I can interrupt just for one second, that that's kinda of what I was thinking the whole time we were talking about that is is 
whatever the marketing is, however accurate it is, however inaccurate it is, or flamboyant or subdued, it can only, to me anyway, it can only sell me the first cigar. If there's nothing exactly. behind it and there's no substance, I don't come back. So, you know, it's not going to be successful in the long run anyway. I don't think, you know, a great number of those that flagrantly misrepresent themselves or over-represent what they're selling don't last because people figure it out. You know, they'll buy the first one based on that packaging or marketing or whatever, but, but do not come back. Yeah, that's what I figure. I So I don't worry too much about it. <laughs> Um, a maker I just don't line up with, and I, I I say this because I can't bring myself to take their sticks off the shelf, um, and that's Rocky Patel. I, I'm not saying he makes bad stuff. I'm not saying I wouldn't like some of his stuff. I'm not going to say I haven't smoked some of his stuff I actually like. But when it comes to the cigar I'm going to pick up off the shelf, it it's not going to be a Rocky Patel. Yeah, that's. I, I should have specified you can't use Rocky as the ones you don't like. <laughs> More rules again, geez. That's why I went first. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. You All are right. the grizzled old veteran, aren't you? Well, I'll jump in. Uh, it's so, you know, there's so many cigars that all of us here smoke a lot of, uh, and a lot of them I really like, but. I guess if I have to mention just one or two that I really line up with, AJ's got to be in there. Uh, I really like his stuff. But I really like, uh, and it's a subset, I like almost anything that Pete Johnson blends, creates. Uh, and then as an extension of that, almost everything that comes out of the Pepin factory. Uh, you know, well, they make a lot of 80% a lot of, of the stuff on the shelf comes out of the Pepin <laughs> factory. You can't hardly. You and can't the other 20% is Rocky rock Patel. Yeah. <laughs> A Rocky but, uh, Patel or a Pepin Garcia. So, But anything particularly blended by Pepin and most of the things blended by Jaime I really like. They are. Uh, I agree. And I think they make really quality sticks. They use great tobacco. Uh, so those are but, – but in particular, I can't think of a single Pete Johnson stick I haven't liked. You know, there's some I like a little more than the others. Uh, but there's just – there's something about the way he blends it just really hits my palate perfectly. Uh, AJ, as we mentioned, AJ Fernandez – I really like those. Matter of fact, I had a cigar this week. I know we're not doing a what else, but I had a. Uh, oh, I, I lost the band here. Can't remember what it's called. Anyway, another cigar from AJ that I'd never had before. It was just phenomenal. So, hmm. cigars I won't pick up. And I this one is not really so much about a blender or any of that. Uh, there are very few Altadas products that I will pick up off the shelf. I won't buy an H. Upman. Uh, I don't know. They're just they're yeah. they're very few Altadas branded or Altadas created cigars. A lot of them are big names nowadays. Uh, occasionally, I'll smoke a Romeo and Julieta, but most of their stuff just hasn't evolved the way the rest of the cigar world has, in my opinion. Since Dale was so insightful, can I amend my answer a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> Please do, because I I want to add to the guys that I line up with Abe Flores. Oh, I don't yeah, like everything Abe does, but, you know, it's pretty easy for me to pick up an Abe Flores cigar and think I'm going to like it. And on the not-like side, I know I took the easy shot. I said Rocky Patel, but <laughs> the truth is, on my at the top of my never-smoke list is anything that starts with the words floor day. <laughs> I knew this was going. Anything. <laughs> and I don't care how many of you out there love some I see there's one in the show notes here somewhere I saw, Floor Day something or other. 
Um, I don't care. I'm not going to pick them up and smoke them. I just can't bring myself to pay any amount of money for a floor day <laughs> cigar. That's awesome. I had forgotten about that. Uh, you crotchety old son of a gun, you. I'm consistent, though. Uh, yeah, that's that's your... I don't know if I'd agree with that, actually. Yeah, I, I was going to say, but we won't go down that <laughs> rabbit hole right now. Uh, Kip, what about you, man? What's your thoughts on this? Well, I think most people could kind of guess <laughs> the maker I line up with. The R- roll up that left sleeve there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, the whole world has seen that left arm. But, and and you, I mentioned a while ago my first cigar. Well, the second cigar I ever had was a Don Carlos number 3 from the Fuentes. And just absolutely fell in love, and that you know it's been 20 years, and that's still right up there near the top of the pile for me as a favorite cigar. You know, I don't I don't just fawn over every single stick they make, but the great majority of them I like and and buy regularly. Um, but at the same time, some of these others that have been mentioned, Tatuaje especially, I I love Tatuaje cigars just about just about without fail. Um, and to get a little bit off kilter. Gary Griffith with Emilio, you know, not necessarily his own line, although I do like the ones that are made by A.J. Fernandez quite a bit, uh, the AF1 and 2. But I, I don't know if he just has a knack or his palate is similar to mine, but the the overwhelming majority of the companies or the brands he's picked up for distribution, I just really enjoy. And it, it's a noticeable pattern over the past year or so that whenever he – picks up a new distribution agreement, I go and try it. And so far, I've pretty much liked them all, mm. uh, enough that I've gone back and bought most all of them. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, all of us could come up with 15 or 20 <laughs> cigar makers that we just adore, that we bought. Fuego. Um, yep, what's that? Is on my list, too. Yeah, what's that other guy that can, that's into the conspiracies, makes the... Uh, D'Angelito. Yeah, D'Angelito. Uh, make some really good stuff, and and uh, yeah, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. So I'm curious who who Kip doesn't like though. What kind of cigars don't fit your palate? Uh, actually, you stole my thunder there. I'm not a big Altamont <laughs> fan. Yeah. So Romeo and Juliet, uh, that, the vintage that they make. Uh, the vintage. The well, bully's okay. I like those okay, but yeah. I don't go out of my way to buy many of their products and. Honestly, at, at one point, I talked some trash locally to my guys about General, but I'm having to eat some crow over that. I've, I've liked the, the last couple of cigars they put out. I like that uh, concert they just did. Um, can you remember another one? There, there were two or three in a row that I really liked and have taken just an unending amount of crap for my friends about it. <laughs> you know, and I'll give them credit. A lot of people don't like the Foundry series. For They don't like the flavor profile, that sort of thing. But you've got to admit, that was a risky cigar. They did something new and totally different. It was, it was truly a new cigar. And every year we're bombarded with new cigars that aren't really new. They're... Another recipe of the same thing made by somebody else. I mean, it might be a slightly different profile. A lot of them, let's be honest, a lot of these cigars out there on the shelves today taste alike. And to a lot of people, not necessarily Craig, Kip, and Dale, because you guys have very refined palates, but to a lot of people, they taste alike. No, Bob, I couldn't agree more with you. I I, I can detect a nuance or whatever or, or a simple flavor in a review, no doubt, but... 
it doesn't mean that I still don't also detect similarities. And I, I, I couldn't agree more with that statement. And in fact, I, I, um, I'd say that we're running the risk, running the risk of being a little watered down in uh, difference of flavors at times in some uh, production cigars. But that's absolutely a, that's absolutely. a topic for another show. But yeah, in fact, I have an article I'm working on about that. So. Good. I'd be really interested to read it. That's something I'm very passionate about. And I've been chastised time and time again for expressing that thought in certain circles. So There are some people doing actually new things. Ascensi, I think, has done some new stuff. I think Abe Flores has done some new stuff. The Frank Herrera biography, I think, is different than anything else on the shelf. I'd love I, that cigar. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's, it's totally different. Um, Reminds me a lot of this cigar tonight. Uh, in some ways, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Other ways, there's a lot of difference, but sure. I think the under, the, the core flavors, the the underpinnings of it are real similar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I um, I'll go a little bit. Uh, are you going little... Cuban on us? No, I'm not. No, oh. I'm not. Okay. Um, <laughs> I uh, I'm gonna go a little bit into um, the relationship um, when answering this question. I think. For me, the the best impression a cigar manufacturer has ever made um, on me uh, was made by uh, Jesus Fuego. Um, I I've met him on a number of occasions, and I've uh, was lucky enough to before a taping of Dog Watch last year. I was lucky enough to spend some time at his home um, with him and eat a meal with him and uh, a couple very good friends of mine. Um, and Jesus Fuego, besides the fact that a lot of his cigars line up wonderfully with what I like to get out of a cigar, in fact, I can't think of one that doesn't, um, if I had the choice to reach for a Tat or an Illusion or a Padron or uh, any number of Fuentes or uh, a J Fuego, I would go for the J Fuego because there's just something about him as a man that I... Um, I connect with two, not just the blends or the the final product that's out there. I think he's one of the most interesting people in the cigar industry to sit down and spend an evening with. I, I totally you know, agree with you. I, I just I, I think he's one, and he makes some great cigars. Have you seen the new triple seven zeros that come in a uh, cardboard box? No, no, I haven't. Yeah, they're uh, I haven't tried them yet. I'm going to try some, but. They have them at Tranquilo Cigars, a fine cigar establishment in Melbourne, Florida, <laughs> where you too can get. Um, and and I I like the triple zero. I like the triple seven zero. I mean, and I like a lot of what he does. So I look forward to to trying those. They're a little different size and packaged differently. So. And that goes well, back with our last question too. What Craig was just saying when you can smoke a cigar and know the person behind it and have spent time with them. I think that adds a good deal of uh, appreciation for a cigar. Absolutely. No doubt. Yeah. And I'll, I'll bookend that comment, Kip, by saying that, um, an evening with Jesus is not like an evening at your B and M when a manufacturer has flown in for an event. It's not like when you spend time with Jesus or when I've spent some time with him on, on two occasions, um, it does not just seem like, man, he's a cool guy. I'd like to go out and have a beer with him or, you know, uh, spend a little bit of time and smoke a cigar outside of this setting. Um, I, I felt like he was a good man. 
You know, it, you know, some simple conversations that we had had about why he's living in the United States, why he's raising his family, the the way and at, in the location that he is, um, has told me a lot about him as a person, and I really respect that. Um, and on top of 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 how the uh, flavors of the cigars line up, I just I think that that's uh, that's my answer to this question that I know I wouldn't doubt. You know, if I had to be stranded on a desert island with three people <laughs> to talk cigars, here and you know, or if I had three people I could invite to a dinner party: Jesus Fuego, Jose Blanco, and damn, now I forgot the third one: <laughs> Craig Schneider. <laughs> well, sorry, top five maybe, but you didn't make the top three. Jose Blanco. Darn, I had three really good ones. Both. <laughs> they all taught, spoke English, but. Um, <laughs> Oh, Benji Menendez. That's who mm. the third one was. Um, I can't imagine sitting in a room with those three guys and talking cigars. Now, you can put on top of that the Placencias, which are great to, to speak to. Nestor Placencia Jr. is is tremendous person to sit there and, and chat with, friendly, nice. Pete Johnson is great. Um, I mean, Pete's the only guy in the cigar industry that's ever recognized me in an airport, so he automatically scores points. And, and told me he thought I lost weight. So, you know, the guy's, the guy's like a, you know, he's a 10 in my book. But, uh, you know, so Johnson, Bo Derek, you know. There, there's, there's a lot of great personalities in the cigar industry, and it's really too bad that most people don't get to experience that. It's really a, a minority of, of cigar smokers that ever get to experience like that, and so you know, if you ever get the chance to go to an event where some of these people are, go, shake their hand, look them in the eye, say hello. Don't just fawn over them and ask for their autograph. I mean, they they appreciate that, but it's not hero worship. They these are not stars. These are people that have very interesting backgrounds and viewpoints on the world, not just cigars. Yeah, that's that's absolutely the case. And um, to to finish out. My uh, my question number five answer. I'm I have racked my brain and I can't think of a single manufacturer or line of cigars that I just don't like. There's a lot of cigars that I don't like, but it's a cigar that I don't like. It's not a line. It's not a blender who I just can't find anything redeeming in its quality of work. I uh, um. I think it says a lot about the industry, and it says a lot about uh, the people that I've met and the cigars that I've smoked, but um, I don't think I could paint with that broad of a brush, which is an interesting thing. I, I want to say right now, it says a lot about you, and I want you to give my eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it, like a plan, man. I was going to have Dale do it, because he never really says anything bad about almost anybody, but... Um, I think at this point, Dale, I'm sorry. But, That's all right. You know, That's given all right. given your current health limitations, you'll probably go before me anyway. So I'm gonna, <laughs> probably. I'm gonna put it on uh, on the Craig. So well, you, I, you've got my word. I'd be more than happy to. And uh, and on that somber uh, comment, I'm gonna uh, tell the audience here, gentlemen, ladies, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we'll be back with you shortly, but uh, we're gonna touch up, reapply our makeup, and get ready for the second half of the YouTube broadcast. Uh, there goes your man guard. <laughs> well, and, and I want to tell you, you know, if you're having trouble sleeping at night, Craig, 
a uh, great solution is audible.com because you can <laughs> you can put on a good book Bob and set the thing. timer on it and fall asleep listening to a good book and it's just a wonderful way to drift into a land of dreams and wonderment each evening as you lie there peacefully in your bed cuz you you can't be smoking a cigar don't don't try no. to tell me you're smoking a cigar so no no i've burned many a shirt falling asleep smoking a cigar <laughs> Uh, not in bed, ladies and gentlemen. In my easy—that's why my chair is made of leather, um, and why all my floors in my house are tile. So uh, <laughs> that one just kind of dribbled out at the end. Oh, and we don't have anything to say next. Uh, well, um, I I wanted to get the quick break here because Dale, I know you got a jet. Yep, I got a jet. Um, I've got things to do. I'm sorry, too, guys. I've, I've, and my I've, cigar is down where it's burning my fingers. So yeah. Well, no problem. Any. Uh, um, I have to go walk the neighbor's dog. Honestly, I really. Do. <laughs> <laughs> Anything. I uh, I don't want to uh, lose out on your tasting comments here, but uh, anything you guys would like to kind of finish up with before we uh, take a break? Well. well I, I think it's a solid cigar, great flavors. I even I you know, I gave it, you know, I said some nasty things about it being 850 a stick. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. I think I think it's a very good cigar and I think they've got a a good line. I think this size is really interesting too. I like it in this size. I'd love to try all the other sizes, but I can like this size. There aren't any other sizes just yet, but I think they're coming. Yeah. Well, yeah, make I, me, make me. Well, there goes my cigar all over the desk. I was going to say you were just making me look silly, but I did it to myself. So. Well, Craig, I got to tell you, I did find a little, little what I call black pepper, as I got in about the middle of this cigar. But I'm down as those of you on video here can see, uh, half inch or so left. Uh, that black pepper only lasted for five or six minutes there in the middle of the cigar, and then it went away, and it was back to that exotic kind of spice for me. But I really like the oaky flavor in this. It is predominantly oak. I mean, there's no way you can confuse this with cedar or sandalwood or any other type of wood flavor, at least for me, that I get in cigars. It's it's oak. Uh, and it's really nice. goes well with those spices. The cigar burned really well. And like Bob, i got to say, I really like this size. I usually don't smoke a cigar this, this long. Uh but this cigar is just magnificent in flavor, and uh, it lasted perfectly for almost two hours so far into the show. Uh, great smoking stick. Uh, I don't know if I can remember how to pronounce it now. Cuenca, is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> but it's a, it's a fine cigar. I would be interested in when they come out with a couple other sizes. I'd like to try one in a smaller ring gauge and see how it uh, changes. But great cigar. I really like it. Good. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that there's a bit of a winner here, Kip. Well recommended for the panel. It sounds like. And that that Oakdale is mentioning was what jumped out at me as well when I was writing the review. I think I even put that in there. But especially in the last half of the cigar, the the kind of jarry oak taste was yep. just. I really like that. Matter of fact, those uh, kind of raisin or dried fruit flavors that I was getting in the front end, which I really enjoyed, those almost went away after after I got into the last third, and it just became nearly that earthy, oaky flavor. Uh, a magnificent cigar. I can't say it enough, I guess. Hmm. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting for a whole lot of reasons. I'll, uh, when we come back from the break, I'll share my own tasting notes a little bit further. I've, 
I have a ton left, man. I just must be talking way too much. I've got three inches <laughs> left on my cigar. Yeah, nobody so, ever told him that before. Yeah, never. <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll share a little bit uh, a little bit earlier on, uh, or excuse me, tasting notes from a little bit earlier on in the cigar, and uh, hopefully as we progress into the show a little bit further, I can give my thoughts on the final third as well, and we can get a wrap from uh, from Kip as well. So Olio lighter, Bob Dale. <laughs> Bob, you just can't help yourself. Yeah. Bob Dale, I, I've had a blast. I, I can't so believe I. it's been an hour 45. I, I really don't, uh, don't want to do this every two months. I love spending time with you guys. It's been a blast. So thanks for coming on, and thanks for honest, great answers. It's really nice to have people who uh, take it seriously <laughs> like that. Well, really, my pleasure. I appreciate having you guys on. Uh, congratulations on your show. I wish you the best of luck, and I'm sure it's going to do as well. Well, maybe not quite as well as our show. I got to hold a little <laughs> bit of pride back, but uh, I don't know. I'm sure you guys are going to do great and, and <laughs> uh, happy to sit in anytime. It's a lot of fun talking cigars, which as you guys know is really my passion still, even though I'm only down to one a day. That'll change here again pretty soon. So I want to thank Thanks all of you for being with me on Rat Hole tonight and <laughs> wish you the best. Look forward to the next opportunity we have to do this. Me too. All right, we'll be right back. All righty. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for uh, sticking with us through that break. I wish we could have had some fancy-dancy uh, commercial or musical interlude for you, but alas, you're left with just our dulcet tones. Maybe I can uh, some elevator music in there for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be great. Give me a reason to download and listen to the show just to hear what you picked. <laughs> Well, we're still smoking this Cuenca 5 anniversary. anniversary. Is it anniversary or anniversario? Anniversary. It is anniversary, okay. And uh, as uh, Bob and Dale mentioned on their way out, they certainly were fans of this product. It's unique uh, blend, the fact that there's so much of that that really beautiful oaky uh, flavor. And as the cigar progresses, it to me at least, it's becoming a little bit more of a, uh, a smoky um oak aroma as well. I, I wonder if that's kind of the, the charred oak um, aspect that you and Dale were talking about, Kip. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, it is that kind of flavor. That, um, And when I say charred oak, usually what I mean is um, I, I do a lot of smoking, <laughs> not non-cigar smoking with the – I have a smoker. I smoke various cuts of meat. Mm. I use oak a fair amount. I use hickory for pork, but oak for just about anything. And the, the, the aroma of the oak burning, I really get that a lot on some cigars. And this is one of them, especially in that, uh, you know, the final inch and a half, two inches of this cigar. <clears throat> Interesting. I uh, <clears throat> I think, did I mention on the show how I'll, uh, I'll do a poor man smoker and put old cigar butts in with my charcoal? Oh, man. <laughs> Apparently I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll save up. Uh, I'll save up a few cigar butts and put them in there, or, cigar, or tobacco leaves, whatever it is. So I don't know. I'll do that every once in a while. I don't know, even know if it puts any flavor in there, but <laughs> it's uh, it just goes with all my own idiosyncrasies, I guess. Anyways, we've got uh, we got some good news stories to talk about. Good as in, uh, I think provocative. I'll be interested to hear your take on a couple of these things, but. Um, let's uh, get right in them, if you don't mind. Yeah, the uh, first thing we had lined up was uh, just a little bit of 
I guess actually it's the second thing I'm jumping jumping on you here. No problem. Bob alluded to it earlier that there's a, a bill on the docket or proposed in Florida, and there's a little bit of backstory I'll give you real quickly beforehand, but uh, some municipalities around the state started passing some smoking bans, and I think Clearwater was kind of on the leading edge there, and they banned smoking in uh, at least parts of their beaches, and there was a, a certain lawyer down there, I don't recall his name, who would put out a newspaper ad every month and say, I'm going to this beach and I'm going to smoke a cigar while I'm sitting there trying to bait the authorities. Yeah. Wanted to take that through the court system. And that went on or has gone on for a long time. And somebody finally pushed the issue. Uh, I want to say it actually ended up being Sarasota, but don't quote me on that. And it went up and the, the court said, well, you know, when the smoking ban legislation was originally pushed through uh, 10 or 12 years ago, the state reserved that right to to mandate the the areas that would be called non-smoking areas and, and almost limited it to workplaces and whatnot and that so they overruled the ability of municipalities and cities and counties and whatnot to to make us their own little smoking ban. So <clears throat> we have a a state senator that is trying to push a bill through that would supersede local ordinances, but go rather than um, making it so that they could not uh, put out a local smoking ban, he's made their stance a little stronger and wanted to, on a state level, create some bans, uh, in particular in some beaches and parks and sports and recreation areas. And I think Orlando even tried to do it on like boat ramps and city sidewalks, and, huh. um, which failed. Um, and we'll talk about that. that. That has to deal with the email we got this week, too. Um, but this guy, uh, his name's Rob Bradley, and he his district is three counties in north central Florida, Alachua, Brown, Clay, which have zero beaches. These are landlocked counties. I don't know why he felt the need to even get involved, but um, you know, he wants to, I guess, make the statewide smoking ban a little more strict. And um, you know, it, it what it amounts to if this thing went through create a lot more no smoking areas and a law enforcement officer would initially ask the person to stop smoking. If they refused, he would ask them to leave. And if they refused that, he can cite them. It's a hundred dollars for a first offense and 500 for subsequent offenses if they do the same thing again. And, you know, I just, honestly, I just don't get it. I don't know why the guy felt the need to even get involved when it doesn't especially impact his local area or his, the, the people he's representing outside of those parks and some other public areas. And, and it just, I don't know, it seemed like silliness to me. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I hate to admit this because I'm generally against legislation. Um, <clears throat> in fact, I can't think of a time when I'm not against legislation uh, regarding items like this, but I can imagine being at a beach very public place um, with my family and someone next to me who's just being disrespectful, um, whether that they're smoking a cigar or playing a music or using foul language. And when I say disrespectful, meaning they're not respecting others around them and what they may, how they may care to be enjoying their afternoon. Um, and so while I can, I, I can kind of um, 
use that as an analogy or use that analogy um, to understand how someone would want to prevent someone from coming in and, and she's disrupting uh, the beach life. I, I don't think that this is the answer. I don't think that outlawing it is the answer because where are you going to stop? You're going to stop at, at people coming in and, and bringing food that might have a certain aroma or playing beach volleyball where a volleyball rolls up against someone and bothers you there. I mean, it just, I, I, I don't agree with it because I don't think that someone needs to tell me how I should live. I think that that people should understand that, hey, you know, you're doing something that is going to have an effect on others, and so perhaps you should think about that and maybe not <laughs> sit in the middle of a crowd and blow your smoke across everyone or have a trail downwind of where people don't want to be sitting or where they're they're um, uh, being disrupted. I I'm a little. I'm a little unsure of what my thoughts are here. Being a smoker, I I certainly don't want to be relegated to a parking lot uh, where I can see the ocean, but I'm not out by it. Um, but at the same time, I I I can understand that there may be an impact on people um, yeah. in the area where we live. I just don't agree with this as the resolution. I, I know where you're coming from. The vibe with it is. Uh, back to what you something you said earlier, a lack of standards. You know, who Absolutely. gets to decide when that person is offended by smoke? Because you walk down the beach with a cigar or any other public place, uh, and it's a little different than if you're, you know, yelling profanities loudly or you're heavily intoxicated and just making a ruckus. Right, right. Sees you smoking a cigar from a hundred yards. There are people that are going to complain, and they'll never smell the cigar smoke. They and don't like the fact that you're there with a cigar. And that's that's the exact argument, or that's the exact same argument, is what I mean. That that's disrespectful. Me smoking the cigar downwind from where people are has no effect on them. But you and I both know that there are those zealots who who don't like smoking. Period. They think tobacco is just evil, no matter what, and so they're going to have a problem with it, even if they're not affected. And so it's not. It's not right on either side of the argument. There's no doubt about it because I know that there are people who would be disrespectful and light up a, a, a cigar in the middle of a, a group of families, and I know that there would be people who, even if I was being the most respectful person in the world, away from them, not even impacting them, if they knew I was doing it, they would have a problem with it. Exactly. And so there's there's an issue on both fronts here. And it just further goes to cement why this legislation is pointless. It's useless. You're not resolving an issue that exists. All you're doing is essentially putting something out there that you think would be, uh, politically, you're putting something out there that you think would be um, uh, met favorably by the public just so you look like a, a, a politician who's doing something for the people. Exactly. And I, I just can't stand that. There's... This is not uh, this is not resolving or fixing a problem, which is what which is what legislation should be set up to do: prevent or or fix something. And it's low hanging fruit to make a name for yourself. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. <clears throat> I wish I could be as brief <laughs> as you when uh, expressing a point. You're 100 percent right. Uh, politicians, in particular, if they have some Topic, something they can focus on that, hey, I know 75% of my 
constituency are non-smokers, and the vast majority of those would love nothing else than for, for there to be no smoking anywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's an easy thing to, to push out there, but it's an irritation and, and a, an assault on freedom. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I've been on... <laughs> Uh, a, a year ago, last February, I was in Miami uh, with a couple friends. We had rented a house on the beach, and I, I've I've never smoked a cigar at the beach before that day, but or before that that trip. And my goodness, we we literally would walk off the the back patio and we're on the beach, and it was spectacular. I've never I've never uh, experienced a, a setting to smoke a cigar that I was so um interested by that aroma of of the sea i know it's kind of goofy but it was really a new take on smoking a cigar it enhanced that setting it was pretty cool i that's, wouldn't want someone to take it away from me we'll bring that up that's a topic for a different day how altitude or weather or yeah next smoking amen to that i have some clear cut ideas on it in compare comparing the experience I have here in Florida at sea level versus when I'm back in Tennessee visiting in, in the mountains. Anyway, that's for a different day. Gotcha. We should we should create another document that's just ongoing show topics that we can hit on. I think I think uh, we'd have more than a few. But yeah. I agree with you. This is uh, you've titled this ridiculous bill in Florida. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> Well, another one of these uh, these news items. We've only got two for you tonight, uh, guys. But um, another one of these news items is it's going to be something that I think a lot of people are going to say, "Wow, I didn't know that about um, Swisher, uh, a a brand of uh, cigars that I think many of us are familiar with. Swisher, as in Swisher Sweets, um, has established a premium division, mm-hmm. uh, and and I I guess they're they're interested in entering the premium cigar market. Yeah, this this was a surprise to me, just outright. Um, I, I didn't see that coming at all. Uh, you know, they have a very well established uh, corner on the market for non-premium cigars, little cigars, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it, uh, I don't know, one of those things that may or may not make business sense. I don't know. I'm assuming it does. But I put that in there just to see what we thought. What What do you think? And you know, and what I mean is, how is that going to pan out to have a company that traditionally or typically is in the mindset of mass producing something really fast with a, a good margin and hmm. easy to make versus the traditional premium cigar market where things go at a much slower pace and and you know, there's a lot more variability and that type of product and a lot more demand. You know, do you think they'll be able to successfully make a good hand-rolled premium cigar? And, and well, let me pull that back. They're not actually making them. They're they're contracting with quite a few different manufacturers to make the cigars. But I know their demand is going to be a little different. You know, they if a manufacturer is used to being able to call up who's buying their cigars and say, hey, you know. This tobacco's just not quite ready. It's going to be a little bit longer than we expected, and and I don't know how Swisher would react to that. You know, big company that is used to having everything they need on demand at the time and just just get it done. It's uh, it's an interesting thing to contemplate, and I I have a bit since I've seen this in the notes. And one of the most unique things that I 
um, was just bouncing over in my head was, what are they trying to accomplish? Why are they doing this? And that obviously the, the reason is because they think it's a smart business decision, but what do they see in the industry that tells them this is the time to do it? And so is it is it just as simple as someone approached them and said, look, I'd love to make a cigar, um, and I would really love it if I could get into the industry with an established brand name. And so someone said, I will cut you a check for X millions of dollars just for the rights to use Swisher to make my cigar. It could be as simple as that. But it also could be someone saying, gee, guys, I'm looking at the, the, the analytics of the cigar industry, and I see there's a lot of new smokers that are young, and it's very possible that they uh, have some recognition with our name as still being a good product. And so let's capture this natural transition that we're, we're looking at the data and seeing, gee, uh, um, there's 10,000 new smokers every month, new cigar smokers every month in this country, and they're transitioning from the uh, gas station cigar to premium hand-rolled products. We need to get in the premium hand-rolled products so we can capture all these new cigar smokers. So are they telling us that the cigar industry is booming so much so that its its growth is exponential right now to make this entrance into this market worthwhile i mean they've we all know if you've ever spent any time looking or talking to people in the premium cigar market it's not a major money maker exactly and that's actually an interesting point that you just brought up i hadn't even considered uh, you know this this news has only been out for a week or so but, uh, i don't know I, it's something I, i'll be paying attention to for sure yeah i'm 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 real interested if this is you know, kind of a a, a major, you know, I'm going to guess billion-dollar corporation um, saying, wow, this is a way to increase profits because it doesn't sound like something that they should do if it wasn't, <laughs> you yeah. know. And, and it looks like it's going to happen pretty quickly. Um, I'm looking over the notes here. The first, uh, first brand is going to be called Gold Strike in retail for about $2 a cigar. Uh, and this one will be a, a Cuban sandwich, so it'll be a mixed filler cigar, and it should be out by April or May. And then they expect to have higher-end product on the market around IPCPR this summer, uh, upwards of $10 a stick. Wow. It's just interesting. I, uh, I'll i watch this one from afar as well for a little bit, and I'm sure I'll try the cigars, but... Um, I, I'm just curious if the writing on the wall is saying that you know maybe the industry is uh, is really growing, and I wonder. This is this is a, a way off wacky idea, but um, I've been to the Drew Estate factory. I think I was there three years ago. Yeah, I was at the Drew Estate factory three years ago, um, and they were looking to get into the gas station market, the with their acid cigars. Yeah, um, the, the little packets. Yep, that's correct. I I wonder if this could have some, if this could somehow have been influenced by that move, the transition from one to the other, and Swisher is saying, "Well, that's working," or they're going to take that premium market and take away our our you know sub premium market. Let's let's try to cement ourselves in the premium so we can hold on to our low end. Almost as a you know a um, 
uh, I don't know the the accounting term, but looking to spend bad money somewhere essentially as a tax write-off, <laughs> you know, to to cement another aspect of your business. You know, I don't know. I don't know, but it, it looks like that they. I mean, it has some legs and and apparently is well underway. Um, they've contracted. They did not say with whom, uh, just with uh, factories or manufacturers in the Dominican, Honduras, and Nicaragua, all. Huh. Um, and you know, coming out in a couple of months, so I guess we'll see. Interesting. Huh. Well, I'll be interested in following that. I also did not realize that they currently sell over a billion, with a B, cigars every year. Jeez. Right now. That's, that's shocking. And it, it was saying that they um, actually sell more cigars in a day than many cigar companies sell in a year. <laughs> well, you divide it out by, you know, uh, even 100, and it's, what is that, 10 million. Uh, so it would be 3 million cigars a day would be roughly their production. Yeah, and two, you know, a lot of two boutique, and a half million. A lot of boutique makers are well under that million cigar mark for a year. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Hmm. Well, I guess on to uh, a little bit more micro of a topic here. Uh, just uh, on to you and I. What, what, uh, what other cigars you've been smoking recently, man? Uh, let me let me visit the notes for one second here. Oh, I was in South Florida this week for work mm-hmm. for a few days, and uh, finally was able to restock on the, the Herrera biographies. Uh, made a trip down past Charm Leaf and. Uh, Frank Herrera down there, and, and Bob mentioned, we talked just briefly about this cigar earlier, and that was a revelation for me last year. That that thing jumped immediately into my regular, frequent, frequently visited cigars. I smoke lots of them and, and continue to do so. Um, just a, a super cigar, and that's one of Abe Flores' cigars. He makes that for Frank at his PDR or Pinar Del Rio factory. Um, what else have I got? I had a Viaje, I think they called them stuffed turkeys. And mm. I, honestly, I don't know if this was the white or the dark meat because I've had a couple of each and they're so close in color I could not remember which was which. Mm. But it didn't overwhelm me, uh, to say the least. It, it, it was a decent cigar. I, I can't fault it. It, it, it. I had two of them. Both of them were a little tighter than I prefer. Um, you know, I, I, I can't say it was just an awful cigar. It just if I had ten bucks to spend again, I would probably pick something else. Yeah, I do find that that's that's how I'll make my decisions at a B and M. It's not. I'm not usually the what uh, what's the new cigar that I really want to try. I'm not usually that guy. Um, I'll go in and I'll buy some new stuff to have it to try it at some point. But I'm not. I don't know. I, I'll. I'll go to my faves. I, I I know that when I'm smoking a cigar, I'm doing it for one of two things. One, I'm either reviewing it to judge that cigar, to figure out if it's something that I like, if there are X, Y, and Z flavors that I enjoy, or I'm going to smoke a cigar as a companion and as enjoyment. And um, I just want to go to what I'm comfortable with. And this example exactly, the, a $10 Viaje or nine dollars or eight dollars or twelve or whatever the heck it is, um, I, you know, 
if it's just not lining up with me, there's no reason for me to have it. And I, that's kind of how I've, uh, how I've found a lot in the Viaje lines. But yeah. well, that's kind of a, a neat thing about their, uh, you know, they revamped their, their their entire company and offerings this past year, so that everything is a small batch with them, pretty much. And uh, so, I have found quite a few of their cigars that I really like. Um, but you know, you just can't tell till you try them. Yeah, 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 no doubt. Well, next, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just jumping to the next one there, uh, and I'm not going to say much about it because it's actually going to be a cigar of the week before too long. Um, but Oliva Siri V Maduro, uh, this past 2012, which I believe from I, I don't know if they tweak the blend any at all. It looks to be about the same size and very similar flavors to the 2011, and Man, I I just wish that cigar was available all year long. <laughs> you and a lot of other people too. <laughs> but go ahead, what were you gonna say? Well, I was just gonna. I don't have too terribly many to share here, so I was just gonna get into my first um, that I had. But uh, um, anybody who's listened to me on Dog Watch, and uh, I think we that I may have even talked about both of these cigars on the first show. Um, knows that I'm uh, a fan of Monte Pascual uh Monte Pascal cigars. Um I last week I had a really really unique experience. I was able to go watch some out, some outdoor hockey um and uh on my way there it was a bit of a drive to where the uh um the arena was set up and I enjoyed a, a Monte or I lit up a Monte Pascual Pascal Bellicoso. Um, and this is one of the Batolas in the Monte Pascal line that I haven't had a ton of experience with. Probably only smoked half a dozen or so. Um, and I, I, I really was met with um, some less than appealing flavors for the first time from uh, uh, one of these. It's had a ton of those kind of tangy, um, acidic or tannic tea flavors that I'll get um, at times. And it you know, much the same as how I was describing the pepper uh, in the first third of this uh, Cuenca, it was overwhelming. It, there were other items to the cigar. I could definitely taste more, but there was something about how that cigar was that those the, the tannic tea flavors just came through in spades and outweighed everything else in that stick. I had to search for an, a different flavor to it. Otherwise, I was just getting that, and it really was unappealing. I was uh, I was surprised. I like those those cigars, no doubt. the The Monte Pascals are um, one of my go tos. Something I know I can always lean back on and and enjoy. But I like the Tre Petites, or I like the Coronas. Um, I even like the the double Coronas or Robustos. But the Bellicosos are I'm I have less familiarity with. Um, and was unfortunately uh, a little underwhelmed by this stick. But I don't know. Have you had any of the bellies? I'm not sure how many you smoke of those. I don't think so. I, I've tried several of them, and, and like you, I like them quite a bit too. Um, but I don't know that I've ever had the bell cut. So. Hmm. Well, I, uh, I also had a much more favorable experience um, with... I think I think what might be my favorite cigar that I discovered last year in 2012, uh, the Orinoco um, Susan B. Constance. I I like milder cigars. I don't like you know <laughs> tobacco that tastes like paper. 
um, you know, or air, but the the Susan B. Constance is I don't know, man. It might be the the perfect mild cigar. Um, it's it's probably mild to medium in strength, medium at the high end. Uh, I'd say it's medium in body. There's definitely some substance to the smoke when it's in your mouth, but it's just I don't know. I I, I have one cigar that I've really referred to as an everyday cigar um, for years now, and it's the Cabaguan Maduro. Um, they're not breathtaking. They're not filled with overwhelming complexity um, or even truly unique flavors. It's just something about how they're put together, the, the Cabo Guan Maduros. Um, I know that I could reach for it at any time. doesn't matter if I'm craving it or not. I will be pleased by that cigar. Well, the Susan B. Constance is now one of the two cigars that I'd say could be an everyday cigar. I can smoke that at any time and know that it's going to please me. It's It just lines up perfectly with what I want. Um, great flavors, great construction. I call those comfort cigars. Yeah, yeah, man, it is. It's like, you know, it's like macaroni and cheese, but a cigar, or, you know, uh, pot roast, but a cigar. It's just comfort food. That's a great way of putting it, man. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see, the only other things I had on there, uh, the Florida Gonzalez 90 Miles 1980 Edition. Um, and I, I don't know how familiar you are with Florida Gonzalez. I know Bob doesn't like anything that starts with four. Yeah. But I like it. I, I, I can enjoy anything that Florida Gonzalez makes, but the, the original 90 Miles, I like. The 1980 edition, I liked a lot. Um, and they, uh, Yachty Gonzalez went back and re-blended this cigar for, for this release. The 1980 was the, the year her family came over during the Mario Oak Lift. Yeah. Um, but this, uh, the original, I want to say it's a Nicaraguan Puro, um, but this one has a San Andreas wrapper, a, 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 an Ecuador and Connecticut uh, binder, a Nicaraguan and, Miller and Dominican filler blend. And um, I don't know, it did just seem much more polished, much more palatable, and, and not as peppery or bold as the, the original 90 Miles. I really liked it. I wonder what her her reasoning was to make the, the 1980 edition um, the way that she made it. Why Why would it be more polished? I'm, I'm curious if that represents anything, if it's an analogy for anything to her. I don't know. I, I, I didn't get a whole lot of backstory on it. I talked to her <clears> at IPR. <throat> um, I, I didn't get all the minutia of, of the blend and the reasoning or any kind of symbolism that may be there. Um, but I, I really did enjoy the cigar. Hmm. That's cool. It's very cool. Well, kind of the... Uh, the uh, in tandem with, let's just say, uh, to the um, the other interests or the what other cigars you've been enjoying lately is, um, what have you been enjoying your cigars with lately? I don't know if you uh, if you have anything to add here. I've got kind of a unique one, but uh, I don't just want to jump right in. I don't know. What's your thoughts? Go right ahead. I don't have anything to add there. I have not experimented with anything new this week. I do find myself uh, when I'm not under the microscope for trying to do a review or something. I really have gotten into coffee with a cigar lately. Hmm. Well, we can add that to the list of great topics to discuss. <laughs> um, well, for me, my my accompaniment this week is uh, um, it's not 
it's not a thing. It's not a drink. It's not a food or um, uh, or something physical like that. My accompaniment is time. Um, I I'm a pretty busy person. I I work a lot of hours. I'm involved in a lot of extracurricular um, work events. Uh, I constantly am doing continuing education things for the office. I've got a toddler. Uh, my wife and I are pretty pretty busy people with our group of friends. So for me, when I smoke a cigar, I'm usually doing something else. Um, and that something else might be reviewing the cigar. It might be driving. It might be sitting in a room having a conversation with people. Um, it's a little rare that I am able to have time um, to devote to just a cigar for fun, not for not for another purpose. Um and I just, I really kind of had a revelation this week about how um, how great that is, how much, how lucky that is to have. I mean, going along with this mission that I've kind of waxed poetically about over the last few episodes of, um, you know, smoking more than one cigar to develop a review, well, smoking as a companion could be considered the opposite of reviewing a cigar, you know? Smoking what uh, when you've allotted time or have nothing else demanding your time is a treat um, that I don't enjoy often enough. Uh, well, that and rum. I don't enjoy rum enough either, but um, it, it was uh, it was eye-opening to me to see that that um, I can focus on a cigar, um, but that's different from not really focusing on anything, just having a cigar and having it just enhance my relaxation. Um, I love that, you know, and I, I guess I would just... Uh, Say, challenge yourself to think about what, what, and why you're smoking a cigar, and uh, it's kind of cool to to just see, man. There's there's no reason for me smoking this cigar. I I can just have a great time with it. That's awesome. Yes, I'm right here with you, and it's good to occasionally take that step back and think about what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I uh, I know that we all. <laughs> Uh, lie in the bed we make for ourselves, but uh, it's nice to be able to to relax a little bit and not have a ton of things going on in your life. So it, uh, it's been nice. 100% with you. So we want to wrap up. Or actually, I got two things we have to do quickly. Sure. Uh, as we mentioned them early on, and assuming there's anybody still listening after two and a half of your call, I had two corrections to make from last week. One, uh, we talked about this new Fuente cigar that I've been waiting on for two years, and I failed to say the name of it. <laughs> I had about half a dozen people tell me, you didn't tell us the name, and the name of that cigar is the Casa Cuba. Um, and I don't remember if I mentioned it or not. They have sold something under that name. It's a bundled cigar through Tampa Sweethearts for, for many years. Uh, I don't know if they're just pres uh, you know preserving the the trademark or what, but th this is an entirely different cigar. Um, and the other thing was when we talked about uh, the uh, smoking bans and whatnot associated with IPCPR, and, and I got an email from George Edmondson, um, and now I have forgotten his, he's, he's uh, a part of a blog out there, and dang it, I'll, I'll have to look him back up. <laughs> but George is a nice guy, I met him a couple of times, and he, uh, sent an email and said, you know, he, he thought that 
what what let me just read it. It'd be just quicker to do that. And I'm excerpting part of his email. He says, I may be wrong, but I think there was some misinformation about what was necessary to permit smoking in the hall. The hall being uh, the uh, convention center where IPCPR was held in Orlando last year. Mm-hmm. Um, although Orlando and Orange County have been pretty anti-smoking, they're prohibited from instituting their own smoking regulations, an authority that is reserved by the state. And that's what I just mentioned a few minutes ago. Yeah. His understanding is that all that was necessary to permit the smoking in the halls was to have it declared an enclosed indoor workplace dedicated to or predominantly for the retail sale of tobacco, tobacco products under Florida state smoking regulations. That's one of the exemptions under which smoking is permitted. And I think he's right. I think he's absolutely right that that's what went on. They just had to, uh, I think they went back and put a, a provision in the ordinance that, that allowed them to reclassify that space during the show uh, to allow the smoking. Well, I have to say, if uh, judging by how that email was worded, if uh, whatever George does in the cigar industry doesn't pan out for him, I think he certainly might have a career in law. How uh, <laughs> how he was able to transcribe that uh, that bit of legislation was uh, was done pretty well. Nicely done, George. Yeah. <laughs> The blog he put is Stogie Guys. It's stogieguys.com. There you uh, go. A good one, too, just by the way. Hmm. Well, that's, uh, I did joke about it in the entrance, but or the entry, or introduction, excuse me, but it's, uh, it's surprising that it only took two shows before somebody realized that we needed to be corrected. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, uh, I am winded down on this Cuenca here. I'm definitely into the final third. I've got two inches left on this, uh, maybe a touch less. Um, I really haven't gotten into a ton of different tasting notes on this besides the oak or the smoky flavors and then that pepper. Um, but I do agree with what Dale had said, and I've got it written in my um, my epilogue review that's going to go up on uh, thecigarme.com here. Um, possibly even tonight I'll get that over to you, Kip. I, I haven't finalized my uh, Google Doc with it yet. But um, I did get some uh, of that raisin flavor that Dale had mentioned. I get that actually a lot right in the middle of the cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, it was a nice transition from the the slight sweetness I was getting, the, the baking spice I was getting in the beginning um, that was so overwhelmed by the pepper. Um you know, one of the things that, that I had alluded to uh, when Bob was claiming that I was giving you a hard time was uh, that these cigars were definitely a little over-humidified when I received them, and I definitely think that that has impacted um, uh, how the flavor of pepper or that spicy pepper flavor that I was getting in the beginning, um, I think that that really amplified it. Um, and so I'm, I, I'll am i be interested to try more of these and do a experiment with them at different um, levels of, of humidity, different levels of hydration. Um, I think that if I was able to smoke them a little bit drier, where they were a little bit more in line with where I would normally keep my cigars and where you would normally keep your cigars, uh, I think that that pepper might be dialed down a bit and that sweet baking spice would be ratcheted up. And then all those little supplemental um, complexities that, that we've noted uh, would pop, and I, I, I think this could be a cigar that did line up with, um, 
what I look for in a stick that's got a lot of hard flavors, those um, very deep, dark, woody, uh, smoky, tobacco, rich spice earth. Um, I think that uh, that core of that, but really balanced out with that that uh, the softer, lighter flavors um, that we've mentioned would, would make this pretty appealing. So I'm looking forward to playing with this cigar a little more. I thank you for suggesting it uh, as this week's kind of what's an up-and-coming or what's a new cigar that uh, that we're able to smoke here. So this has been a good experience for me. I've learned a lot. Yeah, me too. Right? <clears throat> I can't speak a whole lot about tonight's cigar because, like I said, I'm only about 25% uh, tasting right now. Uh, I was looking back over the review I wrote, you know, and then the, the last portion is where I'm at now. I, I can't believe I still have maybe an inch or so, a little more left on this, and we're three hours into this cigar. And I, I have not let it go out until right now, just a minute ago. Uh, it kind of smoldered out. But you know, the, the last portion of uh, all the ones I've smoked up to this point, which are numerous by now, um, have gotten a little stronger in potency or nicotine kind of strength toward the end, but it just never, never got that harshness. And if you look at, at our review on the website there, you'll see the point to which I've been smoking these down, which is unusual for me, especially a seven inch cigar. Hmm. And I love them. I, I love that, that charred oak kind of flavor. You know, but even with that, there's still a little bit of that sweetness that'll kind of poke its head in every once in a while throughout the cigar. Um, but, uh, I think it's a winner. I think if they're uh, able to get this into the number of stores that they're shooting for, that they'll do well with it. Hmm. Well, I wish them the best. They, uh, uh, whenever I'm in Florida, if I have the opportunity to stop by that shop, I, I'll take you up on that recommendation and I'll do that. I, I always love meeting good people and I love hearing their stories and why they're doing what they're doing. And uh, with a cigar like this, it'd be nice to sit down and, Smoke it with them. Yeah, they're fantastic people. Have a, a great shop down there. They're in Hollywood, Florida. Hmm. And this is not not a vested interest of theirs. But just as a full disclosure, there they're they're not sponsors or anything here. But um, their their website is quincasigars.com, and uh, they I was surprised when I did stop by the store last week that the the number of good cigars they have into that in that store was really. Uh, a neat find for me. Uh, I came across a few that I don't regularly see, um, but uh, they also have a, a great smoking area out front, several tables, and just beautiful sunny South Florida. Hmm. And the people are amazing. Uh, they were overwhelmingly cordial, friendly, hospitable, uh, friendly, just good people, and, and I carry that from Miguel and Anna, who are the owners, right out to all the customers that were sitting around. Uh, I've been there twice now. And it just it's been a good experience both times. Well, I mean, you are Kip Fisher, so I'm sure there's a little <laughs> idol worship there. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what uh, what do we got coming up next week, buddy? Uh, well, next week we're going to answer the question that we or questions that we haven't gotten to yet uh, from Stephen Durrell, who sent us an email and, and uh, had a little interest in some pipe smoking uh, questions. We'll, we'll get to that next week. I'm, I'm sorry we ran out of time this week. Um, we're going to have our first unbanded cigar uh, next next weekend, and this one is not a listener submitted one. I walked into a cigar shop and grabbed the first guy I saw standing around, and said, "Hey, go pick out 
four cigars in there and uh, don't hit me with $20 cigars, but <laughs> keep it <laughs> And uh, pull the bands off and put them in an envelope and just uh, have the, the the lady working the register give me the bill. And, uh, so we don't know what they are until we open that envelope. It'll be a, a neat experience. Well, I think uh, in full disclosure, you should tell me how much uh, all four of the cigars cost. I want to say it's about twenty six, twenty seven bucks. Perfect. That uh, gives me a ballpark there. Thank you. That's Florida Florida prices. Yep, Florida prices, uh, limited sales tax, no tobacco tax, correct? Yep. Um, well, I'm I'm looking forward to that one because you know I, I had uh, mentioned it on the the first show when we were kind of giving the introduction to our broader scope of what we're going to do with this podcast. But the unbanded uh, week is going to be an interesting one. We're going to talk a little bit more, obviously, about. Um, uh, what we're looking for that type of show that we do to accomplish, what we really want to get across, why we do it, and then some our some of our ideas for uh, the future. You know, we've already had some listeners email us say, "Hey, uh, where can I send on bandits? I'd love to send them in." I mean, multiple. I know that we've gotten at least two people who have said that, and uh, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this thing progress. And I'm hoping we can even push the envelope a little bit and. You know, I'll, I'll get greedy. I'll mention it again. I'd really love a uh, little listener support doing a vertical review uh, at some time in the future, and we'll talk a little bit about that next uh, next week, I'm sure. So, and we have had uh, one uh, submitted suggestion. Uh, I set up an email address. If you want to send in a recommendation to uh, info at thecigarmy.com, that doesn't go to me or Craig. That actually goes to my wife. And uh, so we had one this past week. And she called up one of my cohorts and gave him the information, and he's supposed to be picking them up for us. So we will have another unbanded lined up. Great, great. And uh, one of the emails that we both got about unbanded's from uh, a, a friend of mine, somebody who I've known for a little bit of time, came in and uh, and said that you know, hey, we know that I know that you guys want to uh, have multiple samples of these cigars, but what would you think about different Vertolas? of the same cigar being sent. And uh, I thought that was a really unique idea. You know, if we get a Churchill and a Robusto, um, it'll give us different uh, different ways upon which to look at the blend. And I think that'll be a unique way to kind of attack uh, the unbanded for a future show. So, um, guys, get your, uh, get your thoughts in quick. I mean, we're already three months into it with unbanded, so I can't believe it. That's crazy. So it's uh, it's going to be a fun time. Like every show, I'm I'm going to enjoy chatting with you, uh, Kip. Man, I I, so I love what we're doing here. I can't believe it's been three hours that we've been sitting around. So uh, looking forward to next week probably as much as anybody. Yep, same here. And uh, if uh, any of you guys want to get in contact with us, you can get Craig uh, through email at craig at thecigarmy.com. And, of course, I am Kip at thecigarmy.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and the uh, Cigar Federation, of course, who are is our generous hosts, uh, letting us use their site as a platform to uh, push out the video. Uh, if you want to, for whatever reason, stare at our our ugly mugs for a couple hours every week, the video will be posted there. And my beautiful Indian head sweater that I'm wearing. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, uh, you can subscribe to the RSS feed, find us in the iTunes store, all that information's on uh, thecigarmy.com. You can track it down there. Um, and I think that's about it for this week. Well, I uh, 
I've got nothing else written down in front of me that we need to uh, share with everyone, so it's about time that I, I thank you, Kip, again. I appreciate you tolerating all my rambling uh, words, and uh, I want to send this episode out if I can do so. I'd like to dedicate this episode. Um, this episode's going to my old man, Steve. He's uh, the main reason that I got into cigars, and if I can be half the man that he is in life, my God, I'll... Uh, I'll do a good job and be a good father. So, Steve, this one goes out to you, man. So, everybody else, have yourself a great night. Thanks for listening, and uh, tune in next week. We'll get this one posted here, and uh, you can download it, as Kip said. And we look forward to talking with you again, herfing with our buddies, and uh, keeping continuing on talking about this great passion that we both have. So, good night, everybody. Thanks, uh, thanks for listening.